This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is running on two wheels, not four. Uh, just when we get going with Chelsea again, uh, the powers that be take it away with an international break after just four games. How interminably frustrating. That said, Frank Lampard will be glad of a break to iron out some early season issues and get some of our injured players fit again. What he won't be happy with, though... Is players away on international duty picking up injuries when Cobham is already looking like emergency ward 10? Emerson Palmieri limped out of the Finland v Italy match after only eight minutes with a possible hamstring injury. The last thing we need is Chelsea enter a very busy stage of the season after the international break. Let's hope we're not adding to the injury list with one week of internationals to come. With the injuries and pressure mounting up, it seems that Frank Lampard and Chelsea just cannot catch a break the Chelsea fancast number 471 catching a break uh in this week it's kind of like fank I mean this is no not in, in any way meant to impugn both myself and uh the delightful wonderful Jonathan Kidd who's on the show with me this evening but it's a bit kind of fancast light tonight JK Dan's gone down with what can only be described as a serious case of the shits well, you've you've called the show catching a break. You should have called it catching gastroenteritis. Well, indeed, because really? that's what yeah. he's caught. Apparently, yeah. poor chap, poor old Dan. Dad, yeah, if you're listening, poor you. Yeah, hell. yeah, totally right, mate. Um, yeah, poor old Dan. He definitely can't catch a break. That's horrible. I've had it. It's really nasty. So uh, we're sending big big hugs and pints of Guinness to you, Dan. So I uh, hope you're all right, mate. So there you go. So it's just me and thee. That'll be interesting. We've we've kind of never done uh, a two header before, have we? Or have we? Well, we've been interrupted by somebody on Love Sport occasionally when we've been talking and we've got annoyed with them because yes. they dared to interrupt. And yes. I think, as he said, uh, uh, was it Matt said, uh, you could actually do this on your own, you two, couldn't you? Well, and I wanted to go. say, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been a bit naughty. I've not. I've not been. Been. I've. Been, I've missed the last three Friday night love sports shows. You know, for one reason or another. Well, so it's good fun with Marco. I don't know if anybody heard it. You should really listen if we're on that show. And uh, uh, no, not especially if Marco's on. It's good. But uh, Marco was in fine voice and sang "Ole Ole Ole" for a Mason, to, Mount, to, Mount, 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 Mason, exactly, Mount, 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 Mount. Exactly. We mate, I listened. I listened live. I listened live, songs. mate. It was great. Yeah, and Kovacic and all of that. Yeah, and he sang beautifully. He it was did. rather lovely, wasn't yeah. it? He was on. He was on. As you say, he was on on fine fettle. The dear, the dear boy. Uh, he was, he's very dear. He he, I do love him. I mean, I was, you know, as I said, I was gutted not to be on, mate. But you know, um, as you know, I had a uh, few issues with my own uh, last week. But yes, uh, you poor man. Everything uh, okay? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All, all good. She's feeling much better now. So. Uh, you know, everything everything's good now. So there you go. But uh, I thought I'd be a dutiful husband and not come up to London on uh, Friday night. I went up on Sunday and did the Love Sports show and uh, very sadly had to watch England uh, letting the ashes slip through their fingers, which is really no. awful, awful. You, you Aussies that love listening to this show. I don't like you very much at the moment. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, anyway. The joy was unbridled, wasn't it? Oh winning. yeah, they loved it, didn't they? God, it was awful. Oh. I then had a, I then had a Twitter spat or a Facebook spat with the lovely Kath, uh, you know, our mate Kath, the Aussie, you know, you know Kath, don't yes. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. She laid do. into me with a picture of them celebrating, and we we went off and on. I I basically responded with a picture of uh, a bloke in a ball and chain, and then a and then some sandpaper. <laughs> You know, it was it got a bit nasty, really, but I do love her, really. Anyway, uh, okay, enough of me and Jonathan uh, gossiping, as we like to do. Uh, on the show tonight, we have a look at how Chelsea players on international duty are doing, uh, as well as reflecting on how the players have done for Chelsea thus far this season and what Frank needs to do when they return. A bit of a kind of a reprise of Friday night's Love Sports show because the two boys on it clearly had no idea what I was talking about, having listened to the show. So we'll we'll correct anything that they didn't understand. Um, and in part two, uh, we uh, I can't wait for this, actually. I've been promising this to Jonathan, possibly to a few of you lot as well, actually, in the past. But uh, we are going to thoroughly indulge J.K., uh, and you, the audience, as the international break gives us a chance to reflect on some past seasons and JK's idiosyncratic memories of them. So that will be great fun. And uh, part three, uh, well, again, because it's an international break and there's absolutely bugger all to talk about, really, let's be honest, no matches or anything. So I thought, right, again, something we never have time to do. We're going to throw the show open to you lot, the listeners. And we're going to have a Q&A session where you can ask me and JK anything you like, Chelsea or non-Chelsea related. Um, I put that, uh, as you know, because I love the Patreon people, uh, you know, as you know. So they, they got a bit of notice about this and I've had a few responses from them. But it's now over to you lot, you lovely people in Mixler. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you want to ask me and J- JK a question for part three... You need to get them in now, and I will, I will, I will kind of add them to the script, you know, because obviously I, I'm hoping to get so many from you that I'm going to have to do that. But do bung them in, and we will answer that. Uh, plus the usual parish notices, of course. And in part four, we've got a couple of emails to read out this week uh, from John Marshall uh, from Florida, who you heard from recently, and my old chum, uh, long-time supporter, both the fancast and Chelsea, Mr. Rob Delcini from Melbourne, Australia. Um, which is allowed, actually. We're allowed to talk from to somebody from Melbourne, Australia, because, of course, Rob is English, you see. 
So he's kind of like a fifth columnist in there, and hopefully he'll be uh, doing damage to the Aussies when they return in a couple of weeks' time. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday, live every Monday at 7 o'clock, uh, by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-fancast, where you can join in the chat, uh, as many do, by posting on the live chat page. You can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show, and any time you like, really. Just tweet us. I'll try and reply when I get a mo. Uh, and you can tell us what you think about the games or anything else on Chelsea. You know the drill. Uh, they were a bit sparse in Mixler tonight. I've caught you all unawares, because, as you know, quite often I can't be asked to do a show in the international break, but... Uh, I, you know, my, I, I was feeling the muse tonight, so I thought, why not? So there you go. In fact, I was even given an opportunity to blow it all out of the water because Dan was ill. But no, I thought, no, 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 no. I really fan- I fancy doing a show. I fancy doing a show. So it'll be me and JK, hopefully, amusing, informing and entertaining you for the next hour or two. So uh, for, uh, after this very short break, we'll get on with it. Right, uh, of course, um, I should have said there's some lovely people in Mixler, of course. Harrison, Ben, Shed Upper Man, a.k.a. Ramsey, Greg Gardner, Widow, Bob Usray, to name but a few, and uh, Brian James as well. So lovely to have you all in there. Hopefully a few more will join us as we go along. But uh, uh, let's kick off. I'm going to start with the international kind of roundup, really, JK. Uh, yes. It would be a bit rude not to, it being that, uh, you know, that's what's going on at the moment. Uh, let's start with England, uh, because we're English, you know. In case you hadn't realised, everybody out there, me and Jonathan are, in fact, English. So there you go. Um, now, I, I kind of didn't see the game live. I must share this with you. I was... I was at the Allsford Agricultural Show on Saturday watching Charolais bulls and goats and uh, shire horses and tractors and combine harvesters wander part and, 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 and donkey derbies with young children being thrown from donkeys, which is very amusing, uh, and basically having a day out in the country. So, you know, I missed the England game. Did I miss much? Um, yeah. uh, Bulgaria weren't very good. And um, we uh, we looked as if we would um, ship a goal pretty easily, um, which was slightly depressing. Um, I felt it was 4-0, but somehow they gave us all the goals. And I think probably that's the reason why they've been doing so badly. Well, they, did, but, they certainly um, did the first one, mate. I mean, or, I mean, if you can't yeah. pass out from the back... Don't do yeah. it. I mean, no, unbelievable, isn't it? Don't yeah. No, and then the two penalties, not. you know, which were quite shit. Yeah. Let, let's start with Ross Barkley first, because, I mean, he, he got a starting yeah. place. Um, yeah. He was okay. Was Jeez. he? Re- yeah. I mean, you know, Marco yeah. predicted this, didn't he? He said he'd do all right for England. Yeah, no, so did I as well. At the same time, I said I thought he would, because he, he um, I, don't, I think it's because they're not very good as well. Though. It's the same thing. Um, you know, if they're playing not very good players, they're, they're able to actually express themselves better you just wish somehow that he would use that freedom a bit more when he plays for the blues um uh, no he, you know he gets he passed very well made some very good challenges um, wasn't caught in possession a couple of times he was and he burst through um very good performance very good but as as we'd expect really from him he just seems to be a different player playing for england um 
whether it's because he's given the chance. I wonder whether he's got an inferiority complex in some way playing for the Blues. Um, Maybe more pressure. Um, yeah, much more pressure. I think the speed of the of the Premier League is 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 much bigger. It's much greater. Mm. Um, and also, they were trying to play very defensively, so he's got more room to get through. Um, uh, because they were just trying to, to get us on the break, and then annoyingly, um, the two occasions they did have a shot, they should have scored uh, because we just let them in. But um, uh, yeah, a very decent performance, thus belying, um, well, just giving the lie as to what on earth is going on with him when he plays for Chelsea because well, he hasn't been, yeah. hasn't been up for it in the same way. And as we've established, <clears throat> um, Frank doesn't think he's good enough because he's uh, he subbed him. And he didn't have him in the first team. He's only got in recently because Pedro's been injured. Mm. Um, but it's that thing: is we do we do want him to do well. I was pleased for him. I was pleased he played well for England because you then said, "Well, come on, come on, try and try and do this for Chelsea," because yeah. he, he's got all the skill. We know he's got the skill. Mm. I um, think he's still so, in de- he's still in detention in my book, but there'll be more of that later. Let's look yeah, at, no, I agree completely, Chidge. He yeah, is completely. Yeah, but yeah. we'll get we'll get yeah. onto that later. Let's let's look at Mason Mount because Mason came yeah. on uh, for his debut. I mean, annoyingly, uh, because I, I I missed the match live, I, I had to catch up on the highlights. I mean, the, he hardly got. A, I mean, the only time I saw him, I think, was when Danny Rose uh, got booked for that lunging tackle, and and Mason Mount was kind of in the vicinity, but I didn't really get to see if he did anything. I mean, if you watched it live, it sounds like you did. Did he? Yeah. Did he do yeah, okay? He had a couple of shots that were blocked and went off. I, he, he he was you know he was he was there and thereabouts. I I don't think it was a fabulous debut. Um, they were three 0 up at the time anyway when he came on. So uh, nice that he got a start. Nice that he got on though. Oh, brilliant! Completely brilliant. And and good luck. Good luck to the boy. Well done. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, you know the fact that Southgate has has, has um, uh, have has confidence in him, as does Frank, is uh, is wonderful. He can only get better. And I think he's he's going to be top banana. Really do. Excellent stuff. I think he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a terrific prospect. Really terrific. And this is exactly the way that he should have been treated. I really do like the way that Southgate uh, puts players in who are playing well, who are, who are have the opportunity for the future for, for, for England and their clubs. I think it's, um, it's brilliant. Excellent I think he's stuff. Been, been Excellent lovely. stuff. All right. Well, um, Italy, uh, I mean, a lot of these teams have had a couple of games, actually. Some of our lads have played a couple of times. But... Uh, Let's talk about Emerson first, because uh, I mean, I got I, I I saw the news yesterday. I think I can't remember when. I mean, I, I'm so, so fried yesterday, having done a four-hour radio show, uh, that I wasn't really aware of what was going on. But I, I did pick up that Emerson Palmieri had uh, gone off. I mean, apparently he went off after eight minutes playing for Italy against uh, Finland, and it sounded like he's done his hamstring. Well, I, I've checked out the wonderful, wonderful physio room, which is the best source of uh, injury news you can get. I think in terms of the Premier League. Um, and it says it was nothing serious. Uh, this is a quote from somebody. I'm not sure from whom. It didn't didn't attribute it, attribute the quote. But it said it was nothing serious. He stopped to ensure it didn't get any worse. But uh, other than that, he's definitely a doubt for Wolves. Uh, I wonder if he might be a doubt for Liverpool. But that is a a, a blow for another blow for Frank. Bloody hell, mate! The injuries we've got at the moment is just awful for Frank Lampard. I think. I mean, apart from oh. everything else, right? You know, the ban and losing house and all the other shit he has to put up to deal with. He's losing another. I mean, Emerson's been. We were talking about this uh, last Monday, weren't we? And and I suspect you were yeah. talking about it on Friday as well. We did. You know, he's, we did. he's been one of our best players this season. He's been one of the he's best defenders in the league. Better and better and better. His stats apparently are, are, are terrific um, in relation to other fullbacks, and I think it was it was no coincidence that we've established that um, uh, Sheffield United targeted Dave 
hardly ever went down the right hand side just went down the left hand side or their left hand side our right hand side they they didn't go down our left hand side for um for emerson so uh it speaks volumes he's um he's become a better player he well he's got got back to what he was i think before he did his cruciate which he did initially remember there was an outcry yeah, when we everybody was saying oh my god he's a bloke with an injury oh what have we done but um now i think uh Yes, it's a blow. It'll, it gives Alonso his chance, but al- already I was intrigued to see the uh, the Twitterati going on the whinge immediately. Oh my God! I thought we'd seen the last of Alonso. They're saying, "Oh my God, we'll have to put up with Alonso." Let's remember, Alonso was fabulous two years ago. So let's see whether he can he can uh, he can play as well. Let's not write him off before he's had a go. Let's not uh, give up. He was my favourite player two seasons ago. And I thought he was brilliant. I know he's looked off the pace and he's not um doesn't look as if he understands where he's supposed to be playing and perhaps he suits a four three three better and he's not a he's not a sorry, a three four three better and he's not a um as good a defender. But let's not write him off, everybody, please. This isn't fair. Yeah, bloody yep. here, mate. I couldn't agree more with that. Um and bear in mind he was good enough to get in the Spanish side at that time. So he's he's you know yeah. it's just I just let's just you know, if we can have an entire show where we don't have to talk about Twitter I would be a very happy man. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it it drives the you know I'm sure the club have reference to it. it it's the the driving aspect of it. I'm I'm bemused at the moment the way that everybody seems to still now, but even after four games, they're all working out who can come in and play, who the, who we're going to sign in a year. What is that all about? I, well, mean, I don't know. Is, you tell me. Well, but indeed, but I'm 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 bemused by the fact that surely the idea this season. Is we give we give our manager and the club, which they appear to be doing rather well, an opportunity of bringing the youth in and seeing how they do, not to debate who we're going to buy in a year's time. All of whom, why would any of them want to come to the club in the first place? And why? How are we going to get them? Why would they want to leave their clubs that they're at anyway for Chelsea? When Frank may have got six players together that are. Uh, for their places that are better than them. I'm I'm utterly confused by the idiocy. I mean, actually, I'm not. There is idiocy on Twitter all the time. But in this instance, surely the idea is we give Frank a go, is we allow Frank to use the youth. That's what him and Jody are there for. So why are people on Twitter debating whether we're going to get in... Um, uh, Chilwell at left back when we've got Emerson. What's that? Is he going to displace Emerson? Why are they debating that we get what's his face who's playing for Borussia, the winger who played for England? Um, Sancho. Uh, yeah, yeah. When we've got when we've got um, Pulisic and Mount, and we've got uh, who is he going to replace? Similarly, I don't. I, I'm finding that. And the other great one, which has resurfaced, is Ake. What is the? What are people about wanting Ake in the side? He's five foot ten. He's not big enough. That's why they sold him. They don't want him to play centre half. And there was this, this bizarre thing of saying he's got a buyback clause. No, he hasn't. He was sold for twenty million. They're not going to put a clause in. If it was seven million, possibly there'd be a clause in, or he's a youth or something. But I just I'm sorry, it's utterly beyond me as to what this is all about. Is it just is it, and of course, being Twitter, because of the, the world we now inhabit, if you put that at the very beginning, I've talked about this before, by halfway through the tweets, people think it's true and they think we're buying these players. And, and even though we've got a transfer ban, even though we're putting our faith in Frank 
to, to bring the youth in, as we're going to talk about later on. There are some very good players that the youth have got at the moment who are even are out on loan, who could easily come in and play and, and be given an opportunity. And this is what this is all about. Instead of which we're debating who we're going to buy after four games. I mean, what is the matter with them? I'm I'm utterly bemused. I've gone off on one itch, but I really no. I love think... it. I've been I've been sitting there. I've been basically. It's like my my. If I was a mo- an emoji, Jonathan, right now, <laughs> I I would I would be a a, a very uh, a big fat man with a grin on his face, smoking a big cigar and drinking a very nice glass of claret. So so <laughs> so mellifluous was your rant, and so on point and on message. In fact, I was. You know, I say this to my clients sometimes because, you know, random shit comes into your head when you're doing the job that I do. Sometimes I share it with my clients. But I was thinking at one stage of my fantastical kind of unconscious mind, somebody's basically, you know, knocked Jonathan on the head and he's woken up as somebody else. You know, this is a, this is such an on-point rant. What's going on? But, mate, I, 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 there's nothing I could disagree with at all with that. I think it's absolute blood. Do you know what I think it is? I, th- I think it, this is... And I'm really sorry. I know I I'm, I mean, Jonathan and I are grumpy old men. There's no getting away with it. We're old and we're grumpy. All right, I'm not going to apologise for it anymore. But I do wonder if it's just this this kind of bizarre world that we live in now where everybody seems to live in a virtual world rather than the real world. Everybody thinks that, that life is a FIFA 20 game. So you have to be buying people. Otherwise, it's, you, you, you're just not valid, you know. So maybe it's a desire to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it it doesn't seem to pay pay have anything to do with the real world. These questions. No, no you're, you're right. We've got a transfer ban. We're bringing the youth in. That's what we've all we've all tapped into. So what's this all about? I, know. I mean, I, yeah. I just well, I know it's, it's bonkers, isn't it? But I mean, that having been said, you know, there is a there is a, some rumour ish, which is kind of more t- more tangible, I think, than the stuff that you were reading. That we may uh, we may actually have the ban lifted before January. Which, yes, yeah, yes, that, yes. I've heard maybe about some, that. Yeah, that. But still, still, with four games into Frank's Frank's tenure, four games in with the idea of getting the youth in, isn't this a bit premature? Even with December, it isn't with January. Or is it? Is it? Uh, you know, and also the position that I think they should be considering um, that nobody's talked about. Nobody seems to bring up. They bring up, but players for positions that we seem to be all right with is I think they should be I know Tammy's doing very well and I know Giroud scored for France against Albania as we're going to be talking but uh, talking about but but um perhaps uh, uh, an, another striker to put pressure on but having said that though, of course Batshuayi the bat scored twice for Belgium so mind it was San Marino but it, does it mean that the bat's being played in the wrong position and even Giroud's being played in the wrong position that's something to debate isn't it um, I've got a, I've so, got a tweet here by a B who thinks he's being sneaky by putting it on Twitter because no knowing full well actually to be fair to him or her uh, that normally I completely ignore it uh, uh, but for today I'm not I'm on I'm on the case but a a at a a bing oh for God's sake a b i n g i l e capital D whatever that is uh, he or she says nothing idiotic about discussing potential targets next summer I agree with that. Of course, Chelsea will need reinforcement. I agree with that. It's not a debate, but rather a discussion. That I don't understand. I mean, a debate is a discussion, isn't it? 
a discussion is a debate. Yes. Yes. So I'm not yes. sure if I follow you there, but I kind of I get the general drift of what you're saying, and I, I, I don't really disagree with that, to be honest. So there you go. Um, let's just move it on a bit, old old fruit, um, because you know we had other players that weren't English that were playing for their respective uh, nationality. I'll just kind of run through and then just kind of see what grabs your attention, really, mate. Uh, as you know, Emerson started for Italy against Armenia and Finland. Uh, Jorginho did as well. He scored a penalty against Finland, so that's all good. Uh, Ampadu started uh, for Wales against uh, Azerbaijan, but was subbed on 75 minutes. And the lovely, I think his name is Eo Sini or something like that. Uh, he said that uh, that apparently Ampadu was very, very impressive for Wales this week. There was a good article about that in the Athletic. So if you've uh, if you can get on the Athletic, then it's probably be worth a read. Uh, some really, really good writers on there, by the way. Um, Giroud scored for France against Albania. Batshuayi scored twice for Belgium against San Marino. Uh, Kepa apparently played really well for Spain against Romania. That was a tough match for them. Romania, you know, as we know, uh, uh, can be a decent side when they fancy it. And apparently he made a string of saves as, as Spain beat them 2-1 away. And Christensen played for Denmark as they drew 0-0 against Georgia. I think, to be really honest, JK, um, I'm not really that bothered about how well Chelsea players have played on international duty because, like like we were saying about England versus Bulgaria, I mean they're playing basically very shit teams. Um, I'm more bothered about whether they're you know coming back unscathed and uninjured. I think that's much more important, right? Yeah, completely, completely. I know, but I think as we were suggesting, um, uh, the standard isn't uh, isn't as good as the Premier League. Premier League is uh, um, a cauldron in comparison. Um, interesting to see if Christensen played midfield. Do we know? Yes, if he I was did thinking that. I don't. Well, I don't Denmark. know. I mean, obviously, I didn't watch yeah. Denmark play last season, so I, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> um, I've got a lovely, a lovely message from the lovely Rob Coombe on Mixler actually, and he says the best way to show love. This is wonderful, man. Like, this is kind of the kind of thing you expect to find on a plaque somewhere. The best way to show love is through patience. I know that from being a family man. Many Chelsea supporters lack patience. Rob, you are spot the hell on. I couldn't disagree with that. Anyway, what's well, exactly my, my, with my argument here about this? You know, yeah, okay, let's discuss people that Chelsea could buy, but um, why? why? I don't why know. It's, 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 why? It's, it's, I don't yeah. understand why now. Why now? Give I mean, Frank a chance. What discussing? What for? What's for? We've got. He's got all this youth to come in and play. What you know? Let's, in a sense, through discussing this, you are being disrespectful. Well, mate, I, look, it's all about. I haven't. I still haven't written a blog about this. No, not I'm, you. I mean, anybody. No, 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 no. I know, I know. But I, I'm going to write a blog about this because you know. Actually, I shall tell you because I did my CFC UK piece for for CFC UK. Amazingly enough, on on Friday, and I was deadlining it as always, and I had a, I had an idea in my in my head. Uh, very much about uh, entitlement and expectations and all of that. And halfway yeah. through, I started writing a, kind of a, a psychodynamic analysis of, of football supporters and what they're all like. And it became a completely different article. And in the end, I thought, hang on a minute, this is going to be way too long. So I, I've actually split them up. But the, the next one I'm going to write for CFC UK is exactly that. It's like a psychodynamic analysis of football supporters. And I couldn't call it Mr. Football, right? As in Mr. Men. And yes. kind of analyse all the various types of football supporters. So there's a Mr. Angry, a Mr. Mona, Mr. Grumpy, Mr. Deluded, Mr. Support at All Costs, Mr. Blue Tinted or whatever. I mean, and I'm going to go through them all. But I think there's something in this because I do think that a lot of this is all about fucking willy-waving. You know, it's about penis extensions. You know, that in some way, if Chelsea are not buying 
the kind of players that uh, are being bandied around for transfers like we used to and like Man City and Liverpool or who else are doing. Yeah. In some way, yeah. that means our cock is suddenly reduced in size by 90%. It yeah. has nothing to do with us or the size of our cock. You know, it's out of our control. And either the club buys them or it doesn't buy them. It doesn't make you a lesser human being if, if it doesn't. And I think people invest too much of their own personal self-esteem and how well the football club is doing. You need to let it go, people. It won't do your head any good at all. Delight in the wins, cry at the losses, and then get drunk. That's my advice from Uncle Chidge. <laughs> you know, it's the best but way, Tony, trust did, me. Did you become a drunken yada? Oh, what that. do you mean become one? I've always been one. But oh, uh, right. I do worry about it. I mean, I used to worry about Chell Tell, bless him, in the old days. I mean, he would like literally go in a darkened room for a week and wouldn't speak to anybody yes, if Chelsea yes. lost. I mean, you know... As I said the other week, I can't remember what I said this on, I probably said it on this bloody show, repeating myself yet again, but, you know, the reality is your football team is going to lose matches sometimes. You just have to, you know, if if you don't have the losses, uh, you can't appreciate the highs, you know, there needs to be a bit of perspective here. Anyway, uh, that's enough sermonising for me. Uh, I hope not to do any more tonight. But anyway, let's move uh, a little. Uh, Yes, that's right. I knew what I wanted to say. I I, I stupidly wrote a running order for the Love Sports Show and didn't actually bother to tell you at all what I was talking about. So you were hilariously sniffy about my half-term report. And don't deny it, because I I listened to the show, mate. I listened live. Um, And I I understand what you mean, because you're right. A half-term report is... Well, actually, here's the thing, mate, because there are three terms in an academic year. So that means you get three half terms a year. So it doesn't have to be kind of mid-season. So I, I'm not far off the mark. You know, maybe it would be better if it was October. I accept. But uh, basically, I couldn't think of any anything more clever to call it. So that's why I called it half term. But I, I thought it was quite fun what I did. You know, I thought, OK, um, there are there are players who have got gold stars. There are players who are in the could do better column. I was always could do better when I was at school, Jonathan. You know, seldom had a detention, seldom had a gold star, but nearly always could do better. Could do better if he if he talked less to his friends and concentrated more on the work, is what I used to get. That makes sense. Caught behind the bike sheds with a fag. Is that what the case? I don't mean a fag, I mean a cigarette. So. <laughs> yes, no, I wasn't at public school, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a comprehensive, can't you tell? Um, so that was my idea behind it. So let, let's just reprise this uh, for, for my own sanity rather than anything else. But... Uh, I'll whiz through it quickly, but I, I think in the half-term report for the Chelsea football team of players who have played most, as in not those who have been injured a bit or have had a bit of a sub-appearance here and there, those who have started most games, and that would be goal stars go to Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Emerson, Jorginho and Kovacic. Uh, the could-do-betters are Kepa, Pulisic and Christensen, and in detention we have Aspilicueta, Kurt Zuma and Ross Barkley. So uh, let's start with the gold stars. Um, would you be in broadly in agreement with me on those? Uh, yes, with all of them. Yes, oh, that's yes. good. Really, yes. Uh, complete agreement. I'm delighted. Yes, I, I, well, I'm trying to remember who else plays with Chelsea. <laughs> Hang on a moment. I've got a senior moment here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's eleven, isn't it? Who else has gone in there? Who hasn't uh, has gone in and out and played and hasn't played? Uh, no, that's about right, no, isn't I, it? I, I think we're about it's, right with that. Drove was in and then he was out, wasn't he? Cause he oh, was Ra- Ramsey's come up with an absolute belter, which is a an illusion about Twitter. Reese James gets a gold star. He's become world-class without even playing, um, yeah. according to yeah. Twitter. Yes, in, indeed, indeed. Uh, the could-do-betters. Maybe there's a bit more debate about this. Uh, Kepa, Pulisic and Christensen. Um, 
I think Kepa, you know, he's not the finished article, basically, and I think he's still been at fault for a few goals. Pulisic, I think, has looked a little bit, compared to some of the other youngsters you've got a game, he seems a little bit ill-disciplined and out of his depth still, but his time may well come. And Christensen again, I think he's he's an, an in a, he's an in and out sort of player. I I do worry about his lack of physicality for that role. So I think they need to improve a bit. Yeah, I would agree completely with that. I think the very fact that he put Tomori in instead of him spoke volumes, actually. And I think, unfortunately for him, that could be uh, unless one of them gets injured, that he could be um, on the bench. Mm-hmm. That could be All his right. role because I think it would it'll be Rudiger and Tomori. And because I, I don't think Zuma's quite the finished article. No, I mean, well, put, you, you did you put put him down in detention, I and have. I think I would agree with that. I think poor old Pulisic um, uh, starts well, as do they all at the moment. They all look good in the first twenty minutes, but he in particular vanished in the Sheffield United game. I couldn't work out where he was or what he was doing. Um, but he has moments where you think, you know, he's a young hazard. I, I, you know, I do take my hat off. To him for that he does dribble very well with the ball but he needs to get more involved um uh kepper as you say my mate ron who's lynn's husband who you've met who sits next to me is the is the millwall fan and she's trying to turn into a chelsea fan because she brings him um uh he keeps saying he's not he's not he's not right don't come out kepper don't come out he's not coming out where is he where he's is not he very, he's not very demonstrative is he and i, I no, I'll, no, I'll, we you said know. that no he's not yeah he's, he's, that. he doesn't He's not very forceful, and he wants him to. He, but he, but he thinks he's a lot better than um, uh, than Snake. Courtois yeah, ever quite. was. Yeah, um, Snake. Eosini yeah. or whatever, however he pronounces, said something really beautifully balanced actually about Pulisic. He says people forget that Pulisic is twenty, and in a foreign country, excuse me, my salad is repeating on me. Uh, Fifty-seven million pounds, yes, but he's a project player. We overpaid for. I think there's a lot of interesting things in that. Yes, he is young, and I I, I accept that, and I think I made that point. He's in a foreign country. Well, I don't know if that really carries any weight anymore. He was in Dortmund for ages, so he's used to being in a foreign country. And he lived over here. And he lived over here, so I don't think that's the issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's play- look, the reality is, and, and we've seen this with so many players, whether they're young or old or whatever, the reality is now Chelsea are a very, 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 very big-ticket club, you know, and, and uh, that sometimes can intimidate you, you know, as a player, and it sometimes as takes people for a while to settle in, you know. We saw with Salah, didn't we? Yeah. He was intimidated yeah. by the thing for us. There, you know, yeah. obviously he's now at a smaller club, so he's doing a lot better. Boom, boom. A lot, better. absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Barkley, we've kind of done to death, haven't we? Um, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm so upset with what I see with Barkley. I really so desperately want to see him do well. Um, I really hope he does. And uh, Aspie, um, I, I do think he needs to go into detention. Although I feel a bit, I feel a bit dirty and disloyal doing that because I, I've also said, uh, I, I think I might have even said it in an article I wrote last week, but. Uh, I do think that you cannot pin all of the defensive woes on Aspie. I, I think, yes, at the sharp end, he's been found a bit wanting. But, you know, I'm really a big uh, fan of the idea that the, the defensive issues are a collective issue, not just an individual one. Um, so I'm, I, I do feel a bit dirty putting him in there. But, you know, he's got to up his game nevertheless, right? Oh, completely. Completely. But we were saying um, that perhaps he needs a rest. Perhaps it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Good perhaps point. It's, perhaps it's not the uh, that he's become a, a you know a, a, he's, he's done an Ivanovic and just got slow. Perhaps he just um, he's been playing nonstop. Perhaps he mm-hmm. you know perhaps James coming in would um, whether that would inspire him um, or 
to, to bigger and better things. At the moment, there isn't anybody challenging him, is there, as well? So perhaps it's mentally he, he thinks, well, it doesn't matter if I play back. Not that he would. I don't think he's the type of player to do that. But it, it, to me, it's not. It's the giving the ball away is a problem, which we've established that he keeps doing. But it's, he keeps doing it because they keep targeting him. They keep playing down that side because they know that he's a weaker link than Emerson, who's become uh, a much better player. So, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, James obviously isn't the, the, the panacea because we don't know how he plays because we didn't all watch Wigan last season. I mean, um, you, know, you know what's going to happen, don't you? You know, all this build up about Rhys James, who's never played for Chelsea in a meaningful way yet. Uh, he's also coming back from a, a really nasty injury. You can, you can, you know what's going to happen, don't you, J.K.? He's going to turn up. He, he, he's going to not be half as good as people think he is. Yeah. It's going to be everybody's going to be absolutely disappointed. I mean, the poor lad. Imagine the pressure on the guy. You know, I mean, Jesus, he's trying to break. Through. He'll, he'll need to be trying to break through into the side. You, you know, some. I feel for these players actually. I mean, maybe they're not aware of the, the nonsense that gets written about them, so maybe they ignore it. But you do wonder, don't you? Well, I think I think Frank sensitive enough to not play him. If he thinks he's not ready, yeah, you know he's not going to just dump him in, is he? He's, he's, and also uh, smart enough to play him if he thinks he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. well, you know, as we keep seeing, we, we, well. we will see, won't we? You won't make with the, the half term report as well. The thing to remember is once uh, Kante is back, then the whole picture changes. Mm. My mate Babatunde on uh, on Mixler uh, has said something which I totally agree with. Actually, he says Pulisic needs time to catch up with the pace of the game. He's struggling defensively as well as he is leaving Aspie overexposed. Well, it's a point I was making on last week's show, and I, I totally, yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. All right, um, we're going to move uh, very quickly to Frank Lampard's to-do list, as in, you know, when they when the boys all come back into the Chelsea fold, uh, what have we got to do to, um, you know, put right a few wrongs and uh, iron a few issues out? Uh, first ones are bloody obvious, JK, aren't they? It's get the injured players back. So get Kante, Rudiger absolutely back in the side and Kovacic as soon as possible and also uh, Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi and James as well as the, of the youngsters to see what difference that they can make because I do think you know one of the problems we've got is we're missing a lot of good experienced players Kante and Rudiger in particular uh, but also actually the, the depth in the, in, the, in the squad is really awful when you've got a lot of injuries and I think you know when, when Billy Gilmore came on no offence to Billy Gilmore but I mean a very 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 young kid brought in in a tight situation like that not ideal mate but he had no option people forget that there was nobody else on the bench he was a midfield player well other, other than as we said putting Christian oh, well in that, yeah there was that was there was that but, I accept that he, he felt it was an opportunity to trust Gilmore you know and this is what this season's supposed to be about as well for for Frank so uh, um, yes you can either look at it as being disastrous uh, or just, well, what other option did he have? I mean, I honestly think it, the whole thing changes when Conte plays because he is such a world-class player. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, the cement is there. And if Rudiger's there as well, I mean, let's not, let's not think that Rudiger is a great panacea. He's a, he's a better player than Zuma. Um, he's a better player than Christensen. He's our um, best centre-back. And he's, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but he's not quite the same and he plays his German right back, for goodness sake. There's an option, of course, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah. Perhaps he might play, if Aspie, he thinks Aspie isn't the, the isn't playing well enough and he doesn't want to play James, he could play Rudiger there. Yeah. But I don't think he will. I think we'll, we'll see Kante and Rudiger play in the uh, in the Wolves game. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who he he uh, he sticks next to him, which will 
talking about the centre-back partnership in a moment. Um, uh, I, I hope that both Cheek and Adoy can hit the ground running, but we don't know. We don't know what they're like in oh. training at the moment, do we? And we don't know and how he, they're going to recover from the injuries either. That's, well, that's what I meant in terms of in the training. Um, and the thing is, it was interesting to hear Frank say the reason he put Tamori in the side was because he played been so excellent in training. So well, he pays great attention to that. I think like you, I, I think I saw enough of Tamori against Sheffield United to say that yeah. it'll be, you know, I think the best centre-back partnership that we've got. And I think this is something that Frank absolutely has to get right. And it won't be easy for him because he's got a good choice there. We've got four potential centre-backs there. But frankly, I think it's it's got to be Tamori and, and Rudiger. Uh, and and, and I, I mean, Rudiger's an interesting thing. I agree with you. I don't think he's, uh, you know, I mean, how good is he? It's a very good question. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Virgil van Dijk, but I think he's as good as Harry Maguire, if not better. So, you know, if you think yeah. about that, that as a barometer, van Dijk's one of the best players in the world. Undoubtedly, he's now won the Ballon d'Or, hasn't he? Or something daft like that. So he's clearly pretty yeah. good. Um, didn't look, uh, he, I mean, actually, he was, I, I, I don't know if you watched this, actually, just compl- going back to the international football, out of some completely and utterly bizarre reason, the only match I've watched this weekend was the Germany-Holland match which was astonishing. The, the Dutch beat Germany 4-2 away, and they were brilliant, mate. I'll tell you, I, old Koeman's getting a tune out of them. They look bloody good. And, of course, Van Dijk's at the heart of that, as is De Ligt and uh, De Jong. They look a horribly good team. So, uh, But anyway, we digress. Rudiger, who wasn't obviously playing for Germany, uh, is vital. I also think he's, he, he, he's, he's a leader, and we, as always at Chelsea in the last few years, desperately need... Uh, somebody as leader. I'm not going to go go down the he should be captain route yet because I think there's a question coming our way about that, JK. But uh, yes. w- whether he's captain or not, I think his leadership uh, is, is superb. He's a real blood and thunder type player and we need a few of those. I also felt his display at the Europa League final on his crutches was, was uh, fantastic mm. when, we won, when we won the trophy, leaping about like a salmon on balanced on his crutches. I thought that was very good fun. Yeah, great stuff. Um, we've kind of talked about Barkley, but I, I really do think... Uh, well, here's the thing. I've said, you know, Frank needs to get a tune out of Barkley. Of course, the reality is, is that, you know, when uh, when uh, Loftus-Cheek's fit, we've got Mason Mount, Barkley and Loftus-Cheek all, I think, competing for the number 10 slot, if if that's kind of how we want to play. So... I mean, I don't think Frank really does need to get a tune out of Barkley. Barkley needs to pull his socks up and, and start competing with those. Otherwise, he'll find himself, you know, out in the cold. That's my worry. Yeah. And I don't want to see that because I really like Ross Barkley. He's the kind of player I like, um, you know, so I really need him. I, I desperately want him to succeed, but he's got to do something about it, mate. Completely. Completely. Because otherwise he just won't get in. He won't get in the side. Mm. But, well, once again, he's, he's, you know, he's watching him in training. He's, he's a great believer in that so uh let's see what occurs if he mm. uh, uh, well i think he'll he'll get a run at the moment if kovacic is injured won't he um, uh very possibly i mean you know kovacic of course is you know you've got Jorginho kovacic kante really competing for you know two out of three places but i think you've got mason barkley and loftus cheek eventually competing for you know yeah. three three into one isn't it um, yeah. You know, it's shaping up. I mean, but this is the thing. I think, I think the difficulty for us as supporters, you know, it's such a complete and utter, uh, you know, transformation from what we've seen for the last fifteen years, let alone last year, 
in terms of where we are as a club because of all the things that we we know about. Um, but it's really hard to get any sense of really where we are in this new kind of era because, of course, half the team are bloody missing. You know, I, I, I can't wait to see Chelsea when they've got everybody fit. And then, you you know, everybody fit and inform. And then you can really see where we are and we can really see how it's shaping up, you know. Is it is it going to be, um, you know, Hudson-Odoi on the right and Pulisic on the left or whatever, you know, is it going to be Mason or Barkley or Loftus-Cheek in the middle? You know, all these questions. I mean, is it going to be Rudiger and Tomori in defence? You know, we can't answer any of these questions yet because, number one, they're not all bloody fit. And number two, um, you know, we don't know what kind of form they'll be in when they come back. So it's 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 a bit frustrating from that point of view. And a very nobody likes uncertainty or having their questions unanswered. So I, I feel... I feel everybody's pain. I'm in the same boat with that, but there you go. Listen, one more thing before before we, we push off to part two. Um, I think the most important thing that Frank has to address is getting this balance between attack and defence right. Because, you know, we, we know that he had an issue with this at Derby, who used to leak a few goals. I mean, this high press is all great. Getting on the front foot and, and this whole attack mindset is great. But not if you keep getting caught on the counter attack and you don't close the gap between defence and midfield and certainly defence and attack. And I think they've got to iron that out on the training ground because that's where they will iron it out. But, you know, people have got a bloody cover. That means the Pulisic's of this world, the Jorginho's of this world and so on. You know, we can't leave what is not the best defence that Chelsea have ever had as ruthlessly exposed as they have been by teams clever enough to pick them off. Well, this is the... the trouble isn't it is that the, the teams are very clever and have got very good uh, tacticians um, driving them on at the moment as as have we but um, uh, we seem to be a bit stuck with this area but I, I just hope Frank can get it right I mean it, once again it's only four games in so we should be more tolerant but everybody wants an instant response don't they really unfortunately um, uh, I just think the I don't know how you play at such a high tempo and not then um, uh, fall apart a bit. I think because Liverpool had the same problem um, when Klopp first appeared, which is that, if you remember, they played unbelievably uh, speedily against us. Um, I think when they won, was it, did they win 2-0 when they came down to the bridge and um, uh, scored very quickly and then spent about 25 minutes just defending and then they went back up again and it, clearly he hadn't got it right then Klopp as to what he wanted to do um, uh, it, it's, it seems to be a kind of half and half tempo doesn't it you need to have everybody um, available to deal with the uh, with the counter attack and, and once again I think we have it hasn't helped that Kante hasn't been there totally because, right. because his speed is so essential to this kind of setup as it was with Leicester, because Leicester just, you know, belted up. It was lovely to see Vardy score a goal, was it, last week, where the ball just was booted up to him and he just then um, volleyed it over the top into the goal, which was very Leicester from two seasons ago. Good and, goal, uh, wasn't it? Well, fantastic. I mean, it might be just, you know, appalling Route 1, but bloody hell, what what... What what a wonderful sight it was, and that's why you you have to love that about Vardy is his uh, his ability to get there before everybody else, and also then his skill to just get the right angle to get it in the goal. I mean, uh, 
he's a terrific player. And I, I don't think England got the best out of him actually when they played him. Um, but um, but no, I, I, I'm um, I'm not sure that uh, uh, at the moment he, he I, he's, I think it's still. He's trying to get it right, I think, mm. Chidge. But as I say, Kante will have a big effect on it. Um, and, and Rudiger, I think. I've got a lot of school yeah, set yeah. by that. I mean, the interesting yeah. thing is, and I was having this argument with my uh, my Arsenal chum on the on the Love Sports show I do on Sundays, you know, who was moaning about the England team. And, and uh, you know, he said, why were they picking Trippier? Why was he picking Rose? Why was he doing... Basically, he's an Arsenal fan. See, the reason he didn't like the fact that they'd picked Rose and Trippier was because they got Spurs connections. But yes. I, I, I said, look, mate, you know, the reality is, I said, if you were... You know, if you were talking about Arsenal, you know, you, you wouldn't be saying chuck all the youth in. You'd be you'd be saying like I do. You want a balance between the best of the youth and some of your experienced older heads, because that's how how it is. That's how football is. You know, you don't win. Sorry to sound like Alan Hansen uh, and make it making an ass of myself, but you don't really win anything with just kids. You've got to have a bit of experience and nous in your side. And and that's what Kante and Rudiger, apart from every everything else, I think bring to the table. And I think. I think they're sorely missed. But we we shall see. The, the thing is, as Jonathan and I were saying, you know, we can sit here bloody saying this, but until we see it happen, you can't really make a judgment. But there you go. Um, right. Are you? Can we... Uh, I, I move to move, Jonathan. Is that okay? Yes. Good. Lovely. All right. Well, look, in part two, um, this is going to be fun. Uh, Jonathan and I have been talking about doing this for ages and ages and ages because we never bloody get time on the show normally because normally there's more than us too. So there's far more debate and chat going on and also there's you know a lot of games that we need to cover but uh, in the absence of games we we have an opportunity to do this and this is basically Jonathan and I said you know the thing is Jonathan you've been watching football uh since the 60s the early 60s so you know his knowledge absolutely completely and utterly outranks mine and I just thought it'd be lovely to hear hear some of that knowledge on the show so um in a minute we're going to uh, reflect on a few uh, of Chelsea's seasons past and uh, JK's idiosyncratic memories of them. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. The only place for Chelsea fans footballfancast.com real fans real opinions Uh, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Fancast light this week. Just me and the delightful uh, Jonathan Kidd on the show tonight, but hopefully no less amusing, entertaining and interesting as a result. Uh, and uh, funnily enough, um, th- this bit, as I was saying before the break, is very much about Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, remind the listener, what, what was your first game at Chelsea? Do you remember? Well, I fear um, there's a rumour that my father took me uh in 1955 when I was a baby and uh, gave me to the bar staff while he watched the second half. He'd did you get a drink in? Uh, did I get what? Free drinking? Did you get a drink in? Did you get your round in? I think they probably gave me some scotch. That was what he used to do at the time was he used to give me, <laughs> used to give me scotch in the milk because I wouldn't go to sleep. Yeah. And I was, yeah. a, I was a very um, uh, alert baby. Let's put Chatty? it Chatty? Chatty. I think it's difficult to be chatty when you're a baby, but um, did you gurgle uh, it, a lot? I gurgled a lot, I think. So I think, yeah, probably they, he had a he gave me a scotch, but that was the rumor that he'd, he'd taken me uh, babysitting and had stuck me there. And um, 
Um, I've obviously no recollection of what game that was, but I can, I think, say that I attended a match during the uh, the season that we uh, we won the won the league title when we won the football league in fifty four fifty five. I think I was just at the very beginning because I'd been born then. So, um, uh, but as I say, I can't really comment on what the football was like. I know that uh, Frank Blunston played, and um, Frank Blunston unfortunately had to retire because he had terrible. Um, he had a terrible Achilles problem. There you are. There we go again. Still have Achilles, and um, and he couldn't. He, he 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 didn't know what to do with it, so he retired at 28. And he opened a sports shop in Battersea called Frank Blunston Sports, and it was a kind of holy grail for Chelsea memorabilia in an era where they didn't make didn't make memorabilia, but you could you could. I think there'd be the odd reference in the program to his sports shop. You could get the odd bit of kit, and so. To my joy, um, when Chelsea changed from blue shirts and white shorts and blue socks with a little with two white um, white hoops at the top of the socks to uh, blue, blue and white, which I think was the beginning of the 65 season. I think at 63, 64, the first home game was West Ham when it was nil nil, which I attended in a tracksuit covered with Chelsea stars. You could buy these little plastic stars. Every club had them with the pi- little picture of your, of your, uh, of the person, the, the player you wanted. And they were all for sale on blue boards, felt boards, and they'd all be stuck in and all of them. And they occasionally have other teams that have United. And so you've got a mass of blue stars then, but Fulham was up there. They didn't really care. They were selling other teams as well. White stars, red stars, and it was a kind of mosaic you just looked at in joy when you were little. You know, when I was eight and looking at these stars, it was the was my was, I was so keen to buy every star of every player in the in the side. And I did. Well, because they cost sixpence. They were sixpence each. And my dad would buy me one at each game. And uh, and what we used to do, uh, obviously, not, I think I can't remember what stage we used to do it. He would take me in because he had a season ticket in the in the east, the old east stand which bizarrely had these wooden steps that were were much... They, they, if you were little, it was practically impossible to get up the stairs at half-time because they were so huge, you got little legs. But they were also much bigger because, so a steward told me, they were, they were higher because the stand had been designed in 1905 for people wearing trilbies because if you needed to have a higher a higher seat in order to see over somebody's hat. So these steps were much bigger than usual. And of course they were all wooden. And nowadays it'd be a complete, it would be a fire risk, health and safety disaster. I have to say, I think the current East stand is a health and safety disaster as well in terms of the slope. I don't think you can ever, the slope at the top in the, uh, the East stand upper is just right at the back. It's, you get vertigo from it. But, um, but I digress. So I appeared at the, this, this was a kind of, I mean, I'll be I'll, to be frank. This was a kind of 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 uh, deal with myself that yes, I was a proper Chelsea supporter when I was eight, and I saw Chelsea play West Ham at home. Nil what nil. Year, what year was that? Sixty. It was the year before we'd beaten Portsmouth seven nil in the last game of the season. And was I that was when there. Jim, was that Jimmy Greaves's last game? No, no, no. He'd gone in sixty one. I was right. there when he scored four goals against Forest. I was apparently at that game. I was six, I think. I've got no memory of it. I've got the programme. But I, if I've got a programme, I was there. 
because I always got a program. And the dilemma I've got with most of my programs was that I buy five programs and uh, they were a shilling, if I remember rightly. Buy five, I'd save my pocket money up. And then I'd cut them up. And I cut them all up and pasted bits and pieces onto my Sabutio teams and uh, all the opposition teams. So I'd get Wolves, I'd buy Wolves, say, and they'd be black and old gold. This is why I was so annoyed by Wolves playing in this yellow last season. They've gone back to their proper colours this season of gold because they're traditional. Traditionally, that's such a great shirt, that Wolves shirt. With, with its, its sort of slightly gold colour. And originally, going back even further, it was a kind of musty old gold well, colour. No, it is. It's it's technical term. It's supposed to be old gold. Old gold. And it isn't quite. It's that kind of orange, orangey. But I'm... last season, it was yellow. And I remember, remember I said on the, on the Love Sport programme, I said to the Wolves bloke, you know, what are they doing about that? And he said, yeah, there's been a lot of, there have been a lot of complaints about that. Because, We've got uh, him back on well, on Friday. Oh, fantastic. Good, yeah, great. Good yeah, blog. Sam, his oh, name is. Sam, yeah, yeah, because I'm pleased to see them that they've changed the uh, they've changed the colour back. But um, yeah, so I used to cut everything up and all the programmes up and um, uh, and stick them all over my Sabutio. So um, to my Sabutio teams, and um, really make them and paint the boxes colours of the teams. And um, you know, my Chelsea sides, I've got all the proper from the programme, all the players stuck into the box with a little number on the back. Oh God, how completely um, anal was that, Chidge? My goodness me! But um, uh, so as a consequence, I've just got some out here. I've got them in a in a uh, in a box here, in a plastic box. You know what um, this is uh, like? This is like the antiques roadshow for Chelsea <laughs> fan cars, isn't it? It's like, it's got, like a bit Arthur Negus. That's yeah, showing my age, isn't it? They look at them and go, "Well, this is worth nothing, Jonathan. You've cut bits out of." <laughs> and it's um, but it's uh, um, so consequently, very few of them are whole. Um, but yes, so there I was in 1963 with my rattle, Chidge. With my blue and white rattle. And I have to say, Chidge, listen to this. Oh, my God. What a racket. There it is. What a racket. The very one. And it's got Chelsea written on it. And it's got blue and white check tape as well as being painted painted blue and white. You've got to tweet a photo of this, mate. Otherwise, people have no idea what you're talking about. I must. They won't have any idea what I'm talking about. It's a different era. Different era, Chidge. Well, tweet about it anyway. You're allowed to take these in and rattle them. Everybody rattled them. You well, did there it. is a bloke. There is a bloke in uh, the Matthew Harding upper who still, who still brings in a rattle. And every time he gives it a go, everybody cheers. It's brilliant. Absolutely He's not arrested brilliant. then. He's not no, arrested. No, not arrested. Not arrested at all. Blimey, blimey, O'Reilly. But anyway, let me get. Oh God, I'm just taking it and it's moved. Let me. I'll take a photo in two secs. Um, I've got here. An international club match programme. Chelsea versus Benfica. Stamford Bridge grounds. And they've just put in brackets Lisbon after Benfica, just in case there was any doubt. Official programme, one shilling. Was this Benfica? Benfica. I can find the match because I'm on this brilliant website. And they quite often often, um, have the programme there. So I can actually see an image of it. What I'm looking at. Which year was it? Wednesday, the 7th of October, 1964. Official programme, one shilling. And uh, there's a picture of Terry Venables inside. Team of all talents, it talks about. There's a picture of Terry Venables and Benfica goalkeeper Costa Pereira. Do you remember him? Examining the International Club Charity Cup at a pre-match reception. And can I say, it's one of the smallest trophies I've ever seen in my life. 
They're just uh, holding it in one hand together. And, of course, Eusebio played for them, the great Eusebio, wonderful player for uh, Portugal. Look him up. Look him up. And some of these players, of course, Torres, centre-forward, played for Portugal against England in the World Cup semi-final in 66. Um, now, the Chelsea team, the Cat Bonetti, Ken Shelito, not Shelito, as people used to call him, because I asked him this. Uh, was, this a friend, was this a friendly, mate? This is a friendly. That's why I can't bloody find it. I've been sitting there looking, trying to find the match, but I can't because it was a friendly. It was a friendly. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know okay. why. I, I chose this one in particular because it just popped up. I was just, intrigued. Just to by. screw me over, mate. I know, I know. No, no, I did. I, I <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get a Fairs Cup match out if you want. You all right, want to all get right, all right, all right, all right. If you want, anyway... Um, uh, oh, yeah, I was telling my story, but I'll just finish my story off about Frank Blunston, is that you could go to his shop and in 90, and when, I think the following season, my dad treated me to uh, blue, blue, blue shorts, blue shirt and white socks, treated me to that. And I was allowed, to, you got a number, that was the big thing, because that's what Chelsea had at the time. They did, they had a stripe on the shorts and a number. And Barry Bridges was my favourite player of that moment. Because uh, his celebrations when he scored were absolutely brilliant. And he also looked as if he had uh, one leg was shorter than the other. I don't know if that was the case. He had bow legs. But he ran like that and he sprinted like a mad thing. And, of course, he played for England at that period under Tommy Doherty. He was that good. But he was uh, he was my favourite player that period. And so I got number nine. And a nine on the back of my all-blue shirt, which didn't have any white on it at all. Um, um, it had a little... Uh, CFC on the lapel, but it was blue. Um, there were no club badges on it at that time, and uh, um, and then of course I bought the uh, the horrendous 1966 Inter Milan kit, which we then went we wore when we played Sheffield Wednesday at Aston Villa in the FA Cup semi final, and I was there for that as well with my dad, and uh, uh, and so I had um, I had two kits that I tended to wear. I didn't wear that one as much as the uh, the blue, blue and white one because I, I tended to associate that with disappointment. But I digress. Um, let's get on to um, Chelsea Benfica, the team for the day. Benetti, Shelito, McCready, Hollins, Hinton, Harris, Murray, Tambling, Bridges, Venables and Hausman. Now, you forget that Hausman, who eventually died, the poor chap, when he was transferred to Oxford, I never quite understood that, had been in the first team for um, since... Um, since, off and on for, since 1964. So he'd been there for six years when he played in the cup final. And of course, he scored in the cup final at Wembley in 1970 um, when they played on that ridiculous pitch that the Horse of the Year show had been on only a few days beforehand. Of course, the ball didn't bounce. So similarly, the ball squirmed past Bonetti and it squirmed past Spreak from uh, Hausman's long shot, just went under his body. Um, but um, Shelato played and... Uh, I think I had the joy of meeting Ken Shelato at, um, at the Eddie Mac evening um, and uh, be shortly before he died and he was lovely and he was charming. And I, I just asked him, I said, tell me, people used to say to me that your name was Shilito. And he said, uh, he said, no, mate, it's Shelito. And I said, yeah, I thought it was. That's what I've always called you. So uh, I was pleased about that. And of course, there's Johnny Hollins was there who wanders into uh, Aussies where I sit from time to time, even though and spends his time sitting there, even though he's got his own... Um, sweet named after him. I'm not sure he goes there very often. Um, Marvin Hinton, centre-half, uh, uh, was in the England World Cup 40 for the um, 
1966 World Cup, but didn't make it down to the last few. I don't think he ever played for England, uh, played for the England 23, whose nickname was Lou, which I never understood. Uh, Ronnie Harris, chopper. Burt Murray, Chelsea's first ever substitute. And there's a picture, one of the programmes of him wearing the 12. Uh, of course, Bobby Tambling, who we all know and love. Barry Bridges and... Um, uh, Terry Venables, who was uh, one of my favourite players and was far too intelligent for his own good and just wound Tommy Doherty up all the time and ended up playing for Spurs against Chelsea in the 1967 Cup final, which, of course, we lost. And uh, and Peter Hausman, who bizarrely was called Mary, which I never really liked very much. People would shout out, you know, come on, Mary, particularly when I sat with my dad. There was an American who wore a New York Yankees baseball cap when baseball caps, just people didn't know what they were. He looked very peculiar. Who just used to shout out, come on, Mary, come on, Mary. And uh, I've always felt I wanted to go up to him and say, excuse me, you're being a bit derogatory towards one of our, I thought, one of our better players. I quite liked him. But he was a bit lightweight, Hausman. Um, this is, if all this is a bit impenetrable, do say, anybody ask me about... Um, anything please please ask me a question about that well, well, well yeah i mean i've just i've given them a shout out um and we can extend it to that i've got a couple of them have uh, uh have asked a couple of general questions for part three but john jonathan's right if you want to ask him any questions about the eras that he's talking about then just pop them on mixler and i will i will ask him um so there we go it's um of course at the same era george graham played and people remember that george graham originally played for chelsea that as well as being Arsenal, the Leeds um, manager, um, and he was a fabulous player. And in fact, I don't know whether you whether you have that thing of of because Chelsea tended to sell a lot more people um, because of the the monetary situation. I think it was um, was it Carol pointed out to me on Twitter um, that uh, uh, you you tend to if you've been through an era where you didn't make huge signings all the time like the completely top clubs did. It really hurt you when one of your best players went, and uh, and that used to happen a lot. Um, and and I suppose it's happened with us with um, with Hazard, but it was the end of his contract. We understood that. In this instance, it would frequently come out of the blue, and you didn't know why it was happening. And it made it might have been because they'd had a row with the manager. But in this era, that particular era in the sixties, there were several exits that absolutely gutted me. And uh, because they'd been, they'd been indicative of the club getting better and playing excellent football. And they were all youth, which is a very interesting, you know, if, if people want to say youth never made anything work. Well, obviously United did, but Chelsea did in that era as well, because Doherty just made them play together wonderfully. And he made some very astute, cheap signings. And one of them was Graham, who played them wonderfully, played for Arsenal. But he had the ability, he was a great, great, he was called Stroller. And he just looked as if he was strolling about, but a great pace, a great header of the ball, great shot and great skill. And when he was transferred, he was swapped for Baldwin, for Tommy Baldwin, who played pretty well for Chelsea, but was obviously a striker. And uh, Doherty felt there was obviously something he wanted. But for me, there was a, uh, I, I so wanted to keep the side together that I loved watching. And obviously you don't know what's going on when you're little. We don't, you've got no idea. You just, you know, you just want them to win and you're pleased. But he, he and Bridges were two of my favourite players and Venables. So when all three of them were sold, it was just heart-wrenching. With Bridges as well. Bridges then went to um, uh, went to Birmingham and scored against us in the, 
Um, no, he didn't. He played against us, didn't he? Because it was Pickering who scored. And I was right behind the goal with my dad. I have to say, my dad was a great, um, uh, a great uh, supporter and um, would, would just take me as a matter of course. We went all around the country watching them um, when he wasn't working because he, was, uh, he was a busy, busy man, my father. But, um, uh, and in fact, I've got some cine film which he took, uh, which I must put up on the... Uh, on, um, YouTube of uh, of my dad wandering around the club, uh, the the office, I should say, the office just in the car park in the old Stamford Bridge. Because what happened is you was you'd go, you'd wander in, and uh, um, they opened the, the turnstile was an enormous was the turnstile was to the right that um, that to your left I should say we went to the club which got into the shed, but otherwise you could wander down in the same way you can now and then give your ticket to get into the east stand through the turnstile itself it was as open then as it was um uh, uh it was open then as it was now there was a period where they put up a fence to stop you from going down there but the period in the 60s you could go down there so what used to happen was the players would all congregate outside the office there was this, this on the right there that was as you walked down towards the east stand there was a um this off all the offices for the club were and uh, the players used to pay five aside there for training during the week and if you went down to collect tickets which is what you did you collected them from the office and I'd go with my dad and there would be the whole of the team playing five aside and um, that was really joyous when you're a kid seeing the uh, the players ac- accessible and they're terrific players and they were playing wonderfully under Doherty um, and they're friendly with you, which they were. Uh, it was, uh, it, you know, it, it it was a great, it was a great, it was, I'm just to say it, I'm, I'm a bit emotional about it. It was, um, it was really lovely. They were, they were very good at signing autographs, all the players, and just being, being generally, um, being generally uh, affable to the supporters. And, um, and that was this era, this was this 64, 65 era in particular. Um, is that is that um, one of your is that one of your, sorry mate to finish your point yeah, I just wanted yeah, to ask yeah. you a question no no no, no 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 that was it I was just saying my dad took some took some cine footage of it of of them and you you uh, would have been you would have been what eight eight or nine years old ten, ten I was ten ten, ten years old uh, is that yeah. is that one of your favourite seasons the sixty four five season yeah 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 and sixty five sixty six and yeah just into sixty seven sixty five sixty five sixty six not sixty four sixty five no I like sixty four sixty five as well yeah. No, that those two those two years, so, yeah. Th- those two years, those yeah. two years. But I loved it. I loved it. When I was there when we beat Portsmouth seven nil because my dad couldn't go, and I sat, in, <clears throat> I sat in his seat, and I was eight. And I sat in the East stand, and they scored. Um, and Tamling got four, and uh, you know we beat we beat Portsmouth to come back into the division, and the the joy that evening was just phenomenal. And I, I'd I'd flirted, you know, you know how you do. My dad had taken me to all these games, but suddenly when I was little. Chelsea weren't doing wonderfully. And would you believe, because Wolves were doing very well, I bought a Wolves shirt. And my dad had to say to me, look, I don't know quite what's happening here, but you do appreciate they're in the Midlands and you'll never be able to watch them. He wasn't, he, he didn't say you're not to support them. He just sort of hinted. But because it's that thing of when you're little, it's why so many people end up supporting United or Liverpool is because their teams haven't done very well and they see them on the box. You know, when you're little, you just you you fancy supporting the side that are doing well. You know, you, you and Wolves at the time were 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 brilliant. You know, they just won the league. Um, uh, 1960, they won the FA Cup. 
Norman Dealey scored two goals. Like, oh, Derek Dugan played for Blackburn. How have I remembered this? Derek Dugan. He was a he played for Wolves and was a, a pundit on um uh spot was it um um what, what was that? He did the World Cup, didn't he, with McNabb. They were about seventy. Yeah, yeah, four or five or six footballers who were very clever, funny guys and uh, Malcolm Derek, Allison. Malcolm Allison was involved. Well, Derek Dugan, Bob McNabb, Bob McNabb of Arsenal, and uh, it was Chelsea, a very good program. Chelsea finished in sixty-four-five. Chelsea finished third in the title behind yeah. Man United yeah. and Leeds United, yeah. and in sixty-five-sixty-six, they were fourth behind. My God, how awful! Liverpool won the title. That was Ron Yates's Shankly side, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Leeds United was second. Leeds were very good at coming second, as we know. Uh, Burnley were third. United were fourth. We were fifth. So my apologies, but you know, I interviewed, as you know, uh, Bobby Tamling, Ron Harris, Tommy Baldwin recently, and I all I asked them all about that era, and said, you know, you were a very good side, and you were always there or thereabouts. Do you think you should have done better? Maybe won a cup. Maybe won the league even because you were challenging for it. And they all all basically said, yeah, yeah, we should have done. And, and you know, had Doherty not uh, broken the side up, they might well have done because they were a very, very good side. I think he was hugely to blame, Doherty. I mean, Tim Rolls's book is brilliant on that era. Anybody in Mixler listening about, um, anybody who listens to this, um, Tim Rolls's book on Doherty's Diamonds is really worth a read. It's uh, it, it upset me. Because I read you, even though I knew the outcome, because he's so good at saying how the season was going, and you think, <laughs> oh God, I remember this. Yeah, I remember. No, 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 they're going to lose now. Oh, I know they're going to lose. They never won anything. But oh dear, um, well, they did win the league cup. To be fair to them, so um, they did. The- they did our first uh, cup trophy, wasn't it? Yeah, and they uh, they gave out little tankards. Then you got a tankard. That's right. You, that's right. You didn't, and they've got pictures of them with tankards. I remember somebody posting something on Twitter and saying, "What are they doing holding these tankards?" Well, that's what you got if you won the League Cup. Then you didn't get a medal. You got a little tankard. Um, different era. And and different. you know why? You know why? They were, they, were, it was, they were all it was alcoholic. They were all alcoholic yadars, mate. Of course they were. That's exactly They were all it. alcoholic yadars. They did the like other... a drink, actually. I mean, I, I asked Tommy Baldwin about his nickname, The Sponge, and he completely fessed up to the fact that he could drink everybody under the table. Yes. He said, well, I'm a Geordie. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> Which was just brilliant. Um, anyway, um, well, I mean, unless you've got more to add, JK, um, there's, there's a lot of questions coming in for part three. Um, including one that's not about football, that aimed at you. So it's okay. up to you. Do you want to waffle stuff. on for a well, bit more? Well, or? Very quickly, I've got another one here. Chelsea Real Madrid. Oh, this is, this is 71? A, no, it's 66. Is it? It's, it's an international club charity match. Bloody hell, you've got all these... See, I can't look at this because I, they they're not on my bloody websites, mate. OK, I'll tell you what I'll do. No, I'll, no, I'll it's, be... no, this is... no, And they're the better for it because I didn't even know this, this existed. Tell me more. Um... Uh, there's a, a colour has introduced itself into the programme and bizarrely it's still a shilling even though it's two years later and there's colour there's a colour picture of Chelsea colour picture of Real Madrid um, and there's a there's a, a, an advertisement for Butlins on the back with the, the GPO Tower as it's called Butlins Top of the Tower and then they closed it down because the IRA threatened to blow it up So uh, what year is this? 66 66 yeah. Bloody yeah. hell. Bloody every, hell. Ten, every, every week, 10 million people choose St. Michael Clothes and Foods 
There are 239 Marks and Spencers in the British Isles. I don't think so anymore. Real Madrid, Pen Pictures. Hento, God, bloody hell, he was a good player. Betancourt, oh, good goalkeeper. Um, uh, Govertz, do you remember him? Ferdinand Govertz, he played for Belgium. He then played a bit later on in life. Um, bueno. God, some of these players. See, I'm saying these players because I remember them. It's ridiculous to be saying, do you remember them? Because of course you don't. But um, No, mate, I was two team. years old at the time. I know. Let me, let me tell you the team here. Bonetti, the cat, kept going. Kirkup. Do you remember him? Joe yeah, Kirkup. Joe Kirkup, yeah. Eddie McCready. Thompson um, uh, played, went to Burnley. Um, Hinton, Harris, Boyle. Johnny Boyle, fantastic player. Would have got in if it weren't for the fact that the, the, the he played in the in the in the cup final of '67, um, and he played in the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup final, of course. Tommy Baldwin sponge Tony Hakeley. Wow, um, he impressed for Villa, so Doherty brought him in, and that was the end of Bridges. I never understood that because Hakeley had no skill, but all he was was he just had an ability to head the ball. Um, and his his son Mark Hakeley. Was, was a better version of him. Then, of course, Charlie Cook had appeared, bought from Dundee at that period, and he played, and uh, he was completely phenomenal. If ever there was a purchase, they they made some very, very astute signings in this period, um, just just after, just after, say, towards... I don't know what, what he was trying to do, Doherty, but he made a, a decision to uh, just to mix it up a bit with the players that he had, whether he wanted them to be better, whether he thought that fifth and fourth wasn't good enough and third... Um, which obviously it wasn't, but um, Hakeley was a step backwards because he was just uh, you had to boot the ball up and hope that he did. Yeah, but you, you you say that, but he did beat he did score the goal that beat Leeds one nil in the semi final of the he FA did. Cup. He did. I was there. I was there. Yeah. I remember as well. Um, but Charlie Cook was phenomenal, completely and interesting. You you look at the kind of dribbling styles that Cook had and uh, Hazard had, and it was it was different because Hazard Hazard's got more tricks, but Cook was just a it was a he'd faint whether it was speed I don't know he would run at you and do little it, it we will try to in, to do impressions of him and it always involved um, doing three or four movements to the left or right at speed and you'd normally fall over because you couldn't do it um, so you'd do little sort of nudges and feints and then he just flick the ball past you and he was past you and uh, and his his crossing was um, fantastically accurate as 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 is shown by the uh, the cross for for Osgood in the 1970 replay, which he scored to make it 1-1 at Old Trafford. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, great, uh, a great... I, I this, this, was for the, this was just an international proceeds in aid of British ORT and JNF Charitable Trust. I think it was because they were just trying to get, you know, more European involvement in a period where we weren't really in... We, we, we didn't play these kind of games. Well, so we did a little bit. We did a little bit. I mean, remember... We, did, we got into the first cup, yeah. Semi-final, didn't we, against Barcelona? But do you know yeah, what? Yeah, We're going to... Yeah. We'll save that for another day, JK. I've got that programme because I was there. I've well, got do you want to do it very quickly? Do no, it very no, no, quickly. no, I've got it out. It was the beanbag. That was the beanbag. All right. Well, we'll do they, it another day. Another day. Do it another day, yeah. But JK, I mean, I almost felt like giving you a round of applause. That was so much fun and very interesting. It's gone down very, very well with the peeps, as I knew it would. So... Uh, 
I think you. if we get if we get time again in the future, we must do these because it's it's just great fun, great thank fun. You so for thank you, everybody. mate. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. Now, um, if I can refine my script because I've gone completely off piece, as you can tell. Uh, yes, right. Uh, part three in a minute. We're going to throw the show open to you, the listeners, for a Q and A session where you can ask J.K. or myself anything you like, Chelsea or non-Chelsea related. We've got loads in from Patreon and from Twitter and Mixler, so we'll be talking about that very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. It's Chelsea Fancast Light tonight. Just me and JK in the house. How are you, JK? I've got a cup of tea now, Chidge. Good stuff. Uh, did you enjoy the last part where you were re- reliving a few memories, mate? Oh, I, I had so much more to say, of course, but um, another time. Yeah, you know, save it for another time. All right, I'm going to start off uh, some questions. I'm going to start off with the Mixler questions first because uh, they're easier to do. But uh, EO Cine, uh, I've got two questions from him. The first one I'll let you think about. What do you think happens if... Uh, oh, sorry, I should have introduced this. Unfortunately, I'm not being very professional tonight. Yes. Because we've got an international break on, uh, which means we have no matches to talk about, and uh, I thought, you know, something that we're always trying to do but never, ever have the time to do. In fact, the number of times I've scripted it and we've just run out of time because we waffle on about so many other things. I thought it'd be fun to, uh, uh, you know, allow you to ask us a few questions, have a bit of a Q&A session, 
Um, sadly, un- unfortunately, you've you just got me and Jonathan to answer your questions. But apart from that, it's a great idea. Uh, so there we go. So I've got questions from Patreon, questions from Mixler, questions from Twitter, and we'll we'll give it a whirl. But anyway, EO Cine on Mixler says, "What do you think happens if Matthew Harding doesn't have his tragic accident? Does he eventually take over, or does Bates drive him out?" What a cracking question, Jonathan. Um, Bates would drive him out um, because Bates had more clout and uh, he'd only lent the money. Um, he didn't have shares in the company. Uh, so, uh, and it would have got, it would have got very vitriolic, which well, it, it, was w- going, it already was. It, I mean, it banned him from the director's going, box, hadn't it? It was, it was going that way anyway. And I remember there being a lot of um, Q&A from uh, uh, reporters asking whether he should take over from Bates. Um uh, and people were saying, yeah, it's about time we got a younger person in. Yeah, we ought to do that. Yeah, he's been around for a bit, missing the fact that, of course, that Bates had saved the club. But I think part of it was his re- Bates's reputation as a um, uh, um, allegedly a very crooked businessman um, was uh, had, had pissed too many people off. Uh, and he wasn't a great. Uh, they didn't like the way that he did his financial dealings. Um, I don't. I, I, the impression I got from Bates having gone to a few away games with Bates at the time was obviously completely Batesified. It would be his point of view was that uh, he was going to win it easily if there was any kind of um, subsequent um, attempts at taking the club over. But then that was not to be. So I, I don't think anything would have changed. I think he would have taken the loan away, but it was only a loan. Um, but no, there was. Uh, it, I don't know if you know more about this, Chidge, but there was. Uh, it, they fell out hugely, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Because of the, the influence that he started to have on the club, and Bates, Bates got jealous. When it, no, he got when he not only he got fed up with because everybody thought that that he'd given the money to the club, and they thought that he was going to give even more money to the club, and he hadn't given any money to the club. It no, but he got the, he got jealous of the fact that everybody loved Matthew Harding. He yeah, was a man got, of the people. Got, he, he was one of yeah, us. Yada yada yada. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, you know what fathead Bates is allegedly. Uh, yes. he, he does like a lawsuit. Uh, although he lost, of course, many people might not know this, but very famously, the uh, wonderful uh, DJ, the proprietor of uh, CFC UK and the Stall. Uh, very famously sued uh, Ken Bates for libel and won. And uh, he basically won a pound, which is why the fanzine shall always be only a pound. There you go. Not a lot of people know that. Um, there was a follow-up from EO Cine, uh and he says, I have an actual JK question. When he was recording the Ferrero Rocha advert, <laughs> did he realise it would become a cultural touchstone? Well, here's the answer. Um, it was a, I think it was a company called Euro RSG, and it was a, a European ad, and it was recorded at a studio in uh, Great Marlborough Street called The Bridge, which has been uh, had been boarded up now for the last fifteen years. In fact, there are vast arrays of graffiti and modern art on it nearly all the time. It's got posters on it at the moment. If you ever go, it's at the excuse me, the back of Marks and Spencers, but it was. Um, um, they said to me, they've made this commercial. They, the Ferrero Rocher want it to go on television and it won't because it's dreadful. And they want you just to put these lines on it and none of them fit. 
So this is just an exercise because it's never going to go on television. So I did a completely stupid voice. I did, I can't remember the lines, but the ambassador's reception is known for its great taste. I did it in a voice like that. And and I also had to say, it's me on it going, Excelente! Like that as well. And it was a lovely actress called Eve Karpf, who's appeared in lots of cartoons, is uh, uh, amusing, uh, um, very competent cartoon voice woman, uh, voice actress. And um, she's playing all the women in it. You know, oh, Ambassador, you are spoiling us and all of that. And um, and at the time, they said it's never going to go out because it didn't fit because it was foreign. It was a foreign commercial. They're all speaking German. And every, the people speaking Italian supposedly are speaking German. It, none of it fitted because normally what happens, they'll try and give you words that do fit approximately to the mouths. But none of it fitted. So they said this is just an exercise. Anyway, to their horror, somebody from Ferrero Rocher watched it and thought, I, I rather like this. So they <laughs> they said it's, it's going out. And the man came into the session. The following day I was called back. He said, could you, I like your voice. Could you be a little less? You sound a little bit oh, silly over the top. Could you be a little less with it? And I thought, oh, okay, I will. So I did a bit. So I just did the ambassador's reception. No, for great taste. Rather than going, the ambassador's reception, which is what I'd done before. And uh, similarly, the excellente was much more, oh, Excellente. And um, uh, and I remember thinking, this is still ridiculous. But anyway, the the agency then tried to cover the tracks by saying, no, we, it, 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 of course it's great. We never had it. No, that's exactly right. It's going to be really marvellous. And went with it. And all this business about it will never run, which they'd said to us, was ignored completely. And because of its naffness, because it didn't fit, which you have to say now you can watch lots of ads and you see that, that none of it fits at all. None of the voices fit fit to the lip movements uh, because it's foreign and there doesn't seem to be the same Ferrari about it. But um, Or Ferrero about it. Ferrero Ferrari about it, yeah. But at the time, it was the standard of ads was so high, it was considered, it did stand out. And of course, through, because it stood out, everybody remembered the product. So it made its point, really, because the very fact there were advertisements sorry there were articles about how dreadful it was just made the uh made more people interested in the product which um yeah. uh, which they were which they did do yeah. this is why this is why nobody ever remembers any of the programs i made jk because they're all so fucking great yeah that's true it's because you're too much of a pre- professional you have to be you have to be mucking about to make it work if only, if only that was true um anyway um joe blogs asks a great question joe blogs 1973 on mixler of all the players you've seen who would you say was the most unfairly treated by the fans oh blimey that's a very good question good grief i can't think my mind's gonna blank jonathan uh Beswinger. Yeah, who yeah. I thought I thought played uh, had some games when he was outstanding and some games when he was dreadful. Now that's off the top of my head. Um, I think. Well, I, I'd say Maluda of that of that kind of era. I would say Maluda. Yeah. I think he was a bit unfairly treated by well, us. You know, he did. He did. He was terrible when he first started, wasn't he, Maluda? He was complete shite. Yeah, and then but he, he ended stuck, up being pretty good. Yeah, you know, indeed, he got better and better. What about Ramirez? Not Ramirez, yeah. um, Morelles. Morelles. He's got great hair, but we don't care. 
Raul Morales, that one. The one who he scored that to. goal against Benfica. Wonderful tattoos, didn't he, Morales? The yeah, best yeah. tattoos. He I was, think we kind of loved him. I don't think he got a hard no, time No, I don't think all. he was. No. Um, from my year, going back to my year, a houseman, once again, he was the most bizarrely, the fact he was called Mary, as I talked about earlier. Um, uh, I think it was because he, was, he, he was a bit too soft, but he was cultured, cultured player. Um, uh Rugby, rugby gets a lot of stick, and he actually did put in some very good performances for for Chelsea. Gareth Hall, uh, I thought he. I don't. Think, I don't think he was unfairly attacked. I don't think he was particularly attacked. Darren he, Wood. He seemed to do. Um, yeah, that's very. Yeah, yeah. I've heard people just say what completely useless he was, and I thought. What about he, Alan Mays? And yeah, well, no, he was shite. No, he was shit. Yeah, yeah Bill yeah. Garner. Yeah, yeah, no, I liked him very much. Yeah, Garner. Yeah, yeah, thought he yeah. did well. Um, I, I, that's a very, very tricky question. Um, it's a very good question. Yeah, because uh, I, um, yeah. I th- everybody who got stick deserved it. Uh, do you know thought. what I was going to say? Actually, I mean, I think one, one thing that I mean, I mean, the thing is, I think that now everybody's patience is like you know the modern world; it lasts for a nanosecond, and everybody gives everybody shit. But I mean, going back to the. I mean, I can't really remember the seventies. I wasn't really going, but the eighties and the nineties. I think, I think people generally you had to earn it, you know, if you were a player. So you know, let's not get all blue tinted about this and go, oh, everybody got one hundred and fifty percent support. Everybody's behind the team. That's bullshit. You know, we used to moan them just as much then as we do now. But if you earn the 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 supporters' respect, it, you would get massive, massive support and, and loyalty. And I think that's perhaps what's changed. It's less fickle now than it, or less fickle then than it is now. Well, like but you George, did have to George, earn it. And if if you were shit, perhaps. if you were shit, then you were called out for being shit. Yes. I mean, although then the irony there, of course, is Robert Fleck, who was eulogised for being shit. Yes, there were songs so, about him for being shit. Yes. We're a, we're a weird bunch. What can we say? Um, right, there's, uh, I think... It's a really one... tri- tricky question. I'd like to reappraise that. I'll have another think about that, It's actually. a good one, though. It's a very, very, very good question. Yeah. Now, on that yeah. on that note, I know that Joe Bloggs uh, was talking about uh, the West Germany match, and uh, I saw Alan May's score, uh, talking of Alan May's. According to Tim Rolls' book, we lost 3-2 to West Germany in Essen, having led 2-0 at half-time. Jim McCallion and Barry Bridges scored. Uh, and Tim also mentions another game against West Germany that Chelsea won one nil. Uh, I think I yeah, I need to revisit Tim's great book. Uh, now there was another question, but I can't find it on Mixler. So if I find it, uh, oh here we go. Bob says Bob Uzre, do you think Roman might sell Chelsea if he can sort out if he can't sort out his visa problems? I think this could be a little bit of a. a there's a naughty story going around in the Sun, wasn't there, about Jim Ratcliffe? Uh, saying he didn't want to buy Chelsea because the stadium would take 10 years of his life to sort out and he doesn't have that amount of time. Uh, blaming it all on... The Sun blaming it all on the CPO, basically, the fuckers. Uh, but the valid point in there, of course, is is, is Roman Visa... Will he sell, Jonathan? What do you think? Um, my knowledge is that um, a new government will change their attitude to um, people who invest money in the country. Well, if we get, if we do Brexit, they'll have to. Exactly, exactly, and um, uh, and he will then be offered a visa. But I was told by people in the club, employees in the club, that if he wanted to sell, it was three point two billion. That was a price, but he didn't particularly want to sell. And as I'll keep going on about, 
um, somebody who his daughters both went to Godolphin and Latimer School. I think they're still there, just up the way from me. And he built the arts center there. This is only last, only two years ago. And that doesn't sound to me like somebody who's leaving the country. And um, he, his family is so ensconced here. Uh, and he, I think he was obviously insulted by not being getting the visa, but I think he understands politically that that was what was going on at the time. And I, I think he'll be welcome back. But I also think the that Ratcliffe managed to get out of this article in a kind of, you know, smelling of roses, shit smelling of roses here, because um, he offered 2.4, which was is, you know, eight, eight million, 800 million less. I mean, I can't do the sums. Um, it's almost a billion less than uh, than uh, was required for the purchase of the club. And it was considered derisory. This was the word that I heard from, um, this is from people at the club. And I remember posting on Twitter at the time when this story first came out, Ratcliffe offers, um, you know, Chelsea to sell. And I, I actually asked, you know, members of staff about this. And they said, uh, no, we've been told that it's 3.2 is what he would sell it for, but he doesn't actually want to sell. But it's in the three billion aspect. So this story about the, you know, it would take 10 years was just absolute poppycock, as they say. There we go. I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, it broadly conforms to what I've heard. But the reality is, uh, from every the people I know who are, who are fairly close to Roman, who have a bit of access to Roman, say that, He's as keen on the club now and supporting it as much as he ever did. Um, but his beef is with the British government for uh, being rather disingenuous with him, really, and kind of pinning the whole Putin uh, issues, you know, like the Novichok attack in Salisbury. You know, they're hitting the people they can hit. And, of course, you know, we know that Roman's close to Putin because he kind of has to be, really, if you think about it, if he, if he values his life. Uh, so, uh, so there we go. He's an easy target, and that's what they've done. Uh, much as the American uh, government uh, were thinking of doing as well. Anyway, uh, good stuff, J.K. Right, I've got some from uh, Patreon here. Our lovely Patreon people. Um, now, uh, Dino, Dean Mears, the lovely Dean Mears. Uh, Dean's on the uh, Love Sports Show next Friday with us. Anyway, he says, "Have either of you ever done any England games abroad, World Cup, etc? Any stories?" Um, I can answer that one very quickly, Dean. No, not me. But uh, Jonathan might have And I could answer that one equally quickly. No, not me either. Well, that's a shame. Sorry, Dean. Quick answer, but not the one you were looking for. Chelsea, I tell you who... Chelsea yes. England, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. no, no. I've not, not done England away. Uh, I know plenty who do. Mate of mine, Cunal, one of the cock crew. Uh, he's a massive... He's always being uh, filmed and photographed supporting England away recently. Uh, Mark Worrell uh, kind of tried to follow England to the 1994 World Cup in America, but of course England didn't qualify. Uh, but he went anyway and followed teams with um, Chelsea connections. So he became a kind of a Russian fan because Dmitry Karim was playing for Russia. And he tells a very, very funny story about him and his Chelsea mates starting up a load of Chelsea-related Dmitry Karim chants behind the goal uh, which confused the hell out of everybody who was in the stadium at the time. But uh, we'll get 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 uh, Marco back on, and, and we'll get him to t uh, tell that story. It's very very, uh, it's crack cracking story. Anyway, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Fox, who I like to call Jimmy the Fox for obvious reasons. Anybody who likes uh, Thin Lizzy, like I do, will understand that. He says, "Hey Chidge and J.K., who do you guys foresee as the next Chelsea captain?" 
That's a really good question. That's why I kind of held fire on the Aspie Rudiger bit earlier on. I'll have a stab first, J.K. Um, I think I think it, my my guts tell me, Jimmy, that in the immediate future, Aspie will have the captaincy until he either does a Cahill, as in he doesn't get picked anymore, or or he leaves. At which case, I suspect Rudiger would be the next in line. I, I do understand that there's a lot of uh, kind of lobbying for Jorginho at the moment. Um, I mean, everybody has their own personal opinion on it. Jorginho is not for me. I, I, I do think he's becoming one of the leaders in the team, and I applaud him for that. But uh, I don't. I don't think he's earned the right, really, to be honest. I think Rudiger has. I know you might say, "Well, hang on a minute, Rudiger's not been there very long." But there's something about Rudiger's attitude that I like. You know, I, I you know, I, I remember the days when we had five or six international captains playing on the pitch at the same time, and they were all kind of tub thumping and you know pumping their fists and getting everybody going. Um, and there are very few that do that these days at the club, uh, but Rudiger does, and I like that about him, and, and he kind of leads by example. I like a captain like that. But I wonder, I, I do wonder longer term, and I, I have a suspicion and a hope, actually, uh, that our longer term captain may well come from one of the youngsters who are breaking through. But as to who that might be, that is a good question, and I don't know the answer. Mount, who knows? Um, Loftus Cheek, who knows? It's a good question, though. But I do think, J.K., that longer term, that's perhaps where the captain's going to come from, depending, of course, on who's managing the club, as ever. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's difficult to find anybody from the moment other than Jorginho obviously pol- polices them on the pitch, um, as he did last year, because he, he knows how he wants the pattern to work. I haven't seen him doing it as much this year because... Um, last year he was the focal point supposedly and as consequently became the focal point for a lot of hatred because of Sarri um, but uh, uh, in the immediate um, the immediate captain I, I, uh, I'm like you I don't really know I think Mount would be a very good candidate for later on um, I mean one, one thing I would say is I, I do like my captains really to be in central defence uh, because they tend to they can see the whole game in front of them and they tend to be a bit hairy arsed and intimidating. And I kind of like that. That's kind of how I like my captains. I've never liked strikers being captain um, because I just think, you know, that they, they need to be focused. Away. They are, and they need to be focused on what they're doing. Um, midfielders, that's okay. You know, Gerard, for, for as much as we might hate him, I mean, he was a very good captain at Liverpool, no doubt about that. And I think it's useful being in the midfield and a bit of a dynamo. Uh, Brian Robson, one of my favourite players of all time, great captain, of course. Uh, Ray Wilkins in his day at Chelsea, of course, another great captain. So I don't have a problem with midfielders, but I don't know. There's something about uh, the, the, your central defender being a captain, I think, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you, perhaps that's why I'm current, erring on Rudiger. Huh? Look at the current, if you look at the current ones, um, uh, we don't know what Tomori's like. He's, he's, he's not been given an opportunity yet. He's, he's almost too young, really. He's too much, beginning of his career. Um uh, Christensen is doesn't seem to have the personality. Uh, doesn't even really, I think, have the personality to possibly be, even be in the team. Um, Nordis Kepa, uh, yeah, not, not yeah. yet. Uh, yeah. Emerson, no, no. no. Uh, Jorginho, Kovacic, Kovacic. Well, no. Kante, too quiet. Yeah, you know, this is this is the fundamental problem with Chelsea at the moment. As we keep saying, there's not enough personality stroke leaders in that team. They're all a bit undemonstrative uh, and that's you know 
a, a bit of a problem, I think. And I think that's, for me, why Rudiger stands out so much because he's clearly got a big personality and is quite a big intimidating. I like him a lot, I've got to be honest. I'm a big, big, big Rudiger fan. Right, I've got another one on Patreon, JK, uh, from Jack Le Chien. Uh, and he says, uh, with all the talk of Zahar, what's your opinion? Would he be a good addition? And and I think Jack's got a point. There was a lot of talk in the summer, wasn't there, about we might kind of like buy Zahar and uh, loan him back out to Palace for a year and then he can join us, um, you know, when the bands uh, receded. Um, I think he's a superb player, Jack. I really, really do. Um, and I think, you know, because he went to United early on in his career and he absolutely floundered, as many youngsters often do. But he's a he's a much better and bigger player now, uh, and he's he, I I mean I'd have him yeah I'd have him in at Chelsea like a shot J.K. Yeah, brilliant, completely brilliant. I would snap him up. Yes, yes, but you know in the same way, is this the same kind of of um, of of speculating about anybody? You know who who's who's excellent at the moment? Who should we get? Will we have Neymar? Yes. Would no. we? You know, no, yeah, I think no, I, I, no, no way would I have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have Neymar anywhere near the club. Well, because of his attitude. But I'm yeah, just fucking I'm just trouble, trying to man. find. No, I, I'm putting it on the same level as this, Chidge. I'm not suggesting. All right. I'm just saying that. I just think once again, this is this is sort of weird. I don't. Yeah. Why? No, I think. I think to be fair to Jack, yeah. this was this yeah. was a uh, this was kicking around. This there was a no, it, plausibility it, it, to this one. This is just plucked out of the air. No, no, I know, I agree, but at the same time, I just think it's it's too early to. You, we can consider it, and we can talk about him as a player. Yes, he's great. I'd have him. Yes, um, but once again, who who would miss out then if you have Zaha? Oh, there you go, Hudson Adoy. It's yeah. a doy would go. Think about it. Pulisic, would he yeah. go? Because he'd have to play in the first team. So, or, or perhaps we don't care. Perhaps they then have to battle. You know, he's about. Has he signed yet? A doy? Has he signed the five-year deal yet, or is that still? Uh, I, I, do you going? know what, J.K.? I don't know. All the talk was that he had signed it, but then I heard nothing more about that. So that that's quite an interesting one. I wonder. I wonder what the situation is there. Right. Just question. Um, ask a question, Chich. Um of the four players, I think there are some decent little players at the moment who are, who are more feasible to discuss to me because they're they're on loan and we're going to get them, definitely have them back. Is Connor Gallagher's looking really good for uh, Charlton? Scored some good goals. I watch uh, I watch that um, Quest uh, ch- uh, Championship stuff and he, he looks very good, very on the ball as a striker. Um, and of course, Ch- Trevor Chalabar's doing well as well. But the other one that I'd like to, to, I don't know anything about, is this Tyrio Andurin. Does anybody know about him? Is what, Who's he playing for at the moment? Is he Not out of clue? Not a clue. Because he's being spoken of with some uh, interest. And Didn't he's, you even watch Chelsea youth teams play last season? Yeah, funnily enough, um, not as much as I'd like to have done. Uh, listen, way, um, we, I've got. We all I've got should some have gone news. on Sunday, shouldn't we? We should have gone and watched the. Just- yeah, well, I, I was working, mate. I was doing a radio no, no, show. No, I know. We all should have gone. I went, didn't go either. It was free. Right. Got twenty five thousand. Good luck to him. I, I know it was wonderful, actually. Well, well played, the ladies. Um, Eo Cine's come in with some very interesting news about this. Still on the table, apparently. This is the um, the Hudson Odoi deal. Chaloba Junior was recently exhorting him to sign the contract, so he hasn't signed it yet. And apparently Tweedy rates Andrew in a lot. Well, Tweedy rates all the youngsters a lot, to be fair, much as I love Joe. 
Um, but he does. He, he's a bit of a fan of the Ute. Uh, right, we're done with the Patreon. There is one more, but I think I'm going to bung it into the email section. Uh, we've got one on Twitter, JK, from the lovely Nigel Bird, who's an absolutely fabulous chap. Uh, and he says, this is on Twitter, he says, not so much of a question for tonight's show. Well, it is now, Nigel. But some thoughts from yourselves about Danny Drinkwater. He's not had the best of the last year or so off the pitch, drink driving, nightclub, fracker, ETC. Who's helping this guy? I'm feeling deeply sorry for him. Well, how wonderfully human and charitable of you, Nigel. And I think a very, very valid point, because apparently he got injured, didn't he? An ankle injury, because apparently he was drunk in Manchester and got beaten up. Yes. Did you hear that? Yes. I Ooh. saw the picture of him. He looks... I a, haven't. Oh, uh, yeah. Looks a sorry, sorry state. Blood. What, 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 tell me about the picture. No, it just he looked. He looked coming out of a club, you know. Just looked a bit, <laughs> looked pissed, you know. But, but um, he looked a bit like I do, leaving the Atlas at about eleven o'clock <laughs> on a match day. But he just, he, he's having a chat with Sean Dyche. I mean, does that mean they they send him back to Chelsea because he's on loan? Oh God, he he's clearly lost it in some way. The poor chap. Well, but, I do wonder about. I mean, it's not for me to to to, to question his mental health, and I'm and I'm not at all. But one one has to wonder how he has been affected by the humongous downward slide that his career has taken. Now, I know you can all turn around and say, "Yeah, but he's earning loads of money every week. He's earning 150 grand or whatever, 100 grand a week." You know, what's he got to worry about? Well, he's a professional footballer who who one would imagine loves playing football. Who, when he joined Chelsea, had broken through to the England side and just won the league title at Leicester. And then his career went absolutely down the shitter. And he's nothing now. He's got no chance of playing for Chelsea. Uh, and, and, you know, the best he could do was to get a loan move to Burnley, for God's sake. I mean, that's got to that's do you nothing, hasn't it? Let's be honest, you know? I mean, you've got to feel for the guy. He then didn't... He hasn't played in the first team. Um, um, but you'd have thought he'd have really tried his nuts off to get into the Burnley side but perhaps he's just not good enough anymore or perhaps oh, he's who knows? perhaps he's perhaps he's on the slippery slope and it's, or he's done what Robert Fleck did you know perhaps he's uh, perhaps he's indulging himself too much and it's gone too far oh god poor chap yeah. I do poor feel chap. for him I'm, I'm, I'm with Nigel on that point me very too easy to, completely me too absolutely very easy to judge people isn't it uh, and also you know just hear the headlines and, and not actually look behind that um, I mean look to be honest from what I understand about Chelsea um, you know they're a pretty good club in that respect they 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 uh, their duty of quick care to their employees is, is on the whole pretty good, particularly their players. So I would imagine and I would hope that the, 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 they're you know, providing some help for him because it sounds like he needs it, bless his heart. So there you go. Um, look, very quickly, I'm going to whiz through a few parish notices. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, I am. there's one more question, but I'm going to shove it in the emails because it's a long one. Um, anyway, uh, blah, 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 blah. parish notices. As you will know, uh, the running for Jacob Rice, the lovely... Uh, Julio, Alfie, Kenny Rice, Adam M and uh, Rob Thompson uh, have done, they completed their Great North Run yesterday, which was in memory of Jacob Rice, who tragically lost his battle with leukaemia in April 2018, just age two. Uh, and they were running for Leukaemia UK and they all did it. So I would imagine you can probably still last minute dot com sponsor them or bung them some money because it's a great cause. And if you want to do that, just go to virginmoneygiving.com 
and then whack in Jacob's joggers in the search bit and you'll find their, their fundraising page. So get on that if you can. Uh, Canners, our great mate Canners, is having a bit of a do on December the 2nd uh, in aid of the Paul Cannibal Foundation, part of Black History Month. It's the Black and Blue Legends Christmas Party, a night celebrating past, present and future black players at Chelsea FC. Uh, Q&A session with a high-profile Chelsea panel of players and celebrities, socialising all night and partying till late. Tickets are complimentary. Um, I, I must put up on Twitter where you can get them. They might, might have all gone by now, but uh, I'll try and remember to do that. Uh, but it's a good do if you can get in. Uh, Patreon, uh, as you know, we've heard, heard from some people on Patreon tonight. Uh, finally, we're doing something that involves them. I feel terribly bad that I don't do enough, but... Uh, you are lovely because you donate every month uh, to the podcast, and for that I am eternally grateful. Um, it does help me cover some of the costs for running the show um, and helps us to carry on doing them. Um, it's very easy. If you want to donate, just donate whatever you want. I mean, I, I would always suggest, you know, not too much for Christ's sake. I mean, you know, you can buy the pa- the fanzine for a quid. So if you donate a quid a show, it's about a fiver a month. You know, that's about right. And they do take it out of your account every month, so bear that in mind. But if you want to do that, if you want to help and show your support, I love you to pieces for doing so. Uh, you go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, but, big but, there is no pressure. Honestly, I will think nothing, no less of you if you don't. I totally get that. Uh, one thing I would say is that I do intend to get more interactive with the people on Patreon and maybe get you involved in more Q&As, maybe do some special shows. I mean, this has been a bit of a bellwether show tonight with just me and JK. I know we've followed the same format and therefore it'll be bloody long as always. But there's no... I mean, Jonathan and I just love doing this because we both love the sound of our own voice. So maybe we could do a few different shows that are just for Patreon people, for example. I you love know, the sound I'm, I'm, of your voice, Chidge. And I love the sound of your voice too, darling. You know that. So maybe we could do something just for the Patreon people now and again. I mean, I'm well up for that. You know, maybe some of your our funny little videos after the games we could just put on Patreon. I'm well up for that in recognition of the f- f- phenomenal support you give us every month. So I'll keep uh, racking the old noodle. Uh, the Kerry banners, by the way, are on their way, I believe. So everybody who's asked for one of those will be getting one soon. All right. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Remember, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. Free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have a badge and if you want to be able to vote uh, in the elections and attend the meetings we have, it's five quid a year. Easy to join up. Uh, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com and uh, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, the CPO, the Chelsea pitch owners that we mentioned a minute ago, uh, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the CPO who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea will always remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. To find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. Follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Now, part four, uh, we've got three emails now. We have two, we now have three. One of them's from John Marshall from Florida. One of them's from Bobby Delcini or Bobby D from Melbourne, Australia. And the last one is from Alan Davidson. And we will be back in a minute to read them. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football 
Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, at this juncture, I also give out a reminder that we do have a wonderful website. Lots of great people write on it. Dean Mears, prolific. Jonathan Ellis, prolific. Uh, Alex Churchill, prolific. David Chidge, useless. But there we go. Probably a good thing, you might say, but there's some great people who write on there. Go and check it out. ChelseaFanCast.com uh, Right, we've got some emails, JK. As, as ever, a cracking one from John Marshall, which is for you. Uh... Are you sure, Chidge? Shouldn't it be that you do that one? I do the middle, uh, middle one, and then you do the one you've got that I haven't got. Yeah, done. No problem at all. Right, John Marshall from Florida. He says, "Hello, mates. I'm writing this after listening to yet another podcast. Only this time, it's during Hurricane Dorian. You see, I am a director of an Alzheimer's facility here in Florida, and for 36 hours we had to stay put for our residents. Goodness me, I hope you're all right, uh, Chidge." Your voice and show broke the tension and it became apparent to me how utterly silly those on social media can be. No shit, Sherlock. Let's call it the Willy Wonka effect. You see, we all have a golden ticket and that's our love for Chelsea. And you, sir, are our Willy Wonka meeting us Charlies at the gate and showing us what's behind the bridge with your humour and insight. I like this, Jonathan. This is good. Very good. I like being a Yes. I've always seen myself as a, a, a Gene Wilder type character, actually. Okay. Uh, yes, but maybe not. I, I, I mean, actually, quick tangential side. I love Gene Wilder. I mean, an absolute genius. A genius. An absolute genius. Uh, loved him. Anyway, let's take this uh, season as an example. We have the wonders and anticipation of what our youth can bring. The wonderful freedom of no expectations other than enjoyment watching week to week. We have our beloved Frank perhaps Grandpa Joe, as someone we admire and look up to. And you, Chidge, as our voice of reason, explaining how each ingredient mixed with another creates a finished product. Ah, but now the social media crowd. The I want it all, Daddy, and I want it now. Now, I suspect that that's probably Veruca Salt, isn't it? I remember Veruca Salt. Or was it Violet Beauregard and uh, Mike TV? Those are the characters I remember. Anyway... Uh, the I want it all, Daddy, and I want it now. Probably even think Willy Wonka was Johnny Depp. How dare they? That's appalling. It's Gene Wilder. Everybody knows that. Anyway, sorry to say, and this is where I show my age, I just don't get it. How is being angry, at times racist, and just plain mean, enjoyable? Wanting everything immediately, expecting the club to spend as much money as possible to buy everything you can, and attacking those who have a different opinion are the traits that got the other children outside the gates in Wonkaland. So, as I sat listening to the rain pour and the wind howl, knowing I had people depending on me to get them through the night, you, Chidge, presented me with the golden ticket that allowed some perspective. I leave you with this. There are many Charlies out there, out here, in fact, who appreciate everything Chelsea. We understand the journey is what makes the destination so enjoyable and tolerate the spoiled amongst us. As for Jonathan, I didn't forget. He, of course, would be our Oompa Loompa, a funny little fellows who appeared to be drunk. All the best and see you in April. Well, I don't know about you being an Oompa Loompa, JK. I really don't, because you I don't drink. Kid, I could do it in this voice now. For the no, you have to do the Oompa Loompa song. You have to do the Oompa Loompa song. I can't remember. Oompa Dumpa Dumpa Dee Doo. I've got a special message for you. I can't remember the other one, but they're very, very funny. 
Um, what's the other one? That 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 that's a lovely Gene Wilder song. There's no earthly way of knowing where on earth that we are going. That one. Do you remember that one? Really quite spooky and sinister. That one. Yeah. God blimey. Yeah. You've you set us off here, John. We. I mean, you know, we'll just go completely wonkerland for the rest of the show. Brilliant. Brilliant email. Brilliantly written. Very 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 witty. You've set the bar for emails of the show. I think that's fantastic. And I look forward to seeing you in April. You must remind me because I've got a memory like a sieve. But it would be an absolute delight to have a drink with you. JK. Uh, email of the week, Rob Delcini from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Mr. Chidge. The boys and girls. I'm being an umpalumpa. Uh, I think it's time for a rant, and I've had enough. VAR is a scourge on our great game, and I'm going to tell you why. We had it now for two years in Australia, and I hate every minute. I didn't know that. Wow. First, it takes a small amount of passion from our great game. When your team scores, you don't celebrate as hard as you're waiting for the referee to blow his whistle and start watching TV at the side of the pitch. You then get scenarios of the opposing team celebrating just as hard when the goal gets disallowed. What is the world coming to when you celebrate just as hard as your opponent's misfortune? Um... Does that happen in the cricket? I can't remember. Two years ago, our grand final was won by Melbourne Victory 1-0. Victory won by an offside goal. And why was it allowed? The VAR broke. So the Muppets in the control room had nothing to view. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Revenge. The linesmen have been told that if it's tight, not to make a decision and let VAR do the work. So that just adds <laughs> doubt into their mind. Therefore, can't make the decision. They gave it a couple of minutes, then had to give the goal. As soon as they kicked off again, the screens came back up. They realised what a fuck-up it was. But the Fox TV coverage worked through all through this. Yeah, that's so typical, isn't it? Yeah, you could actually see whether it was offside or not on the telly, but not at the VAR room. But the main reason I think VAR won't work is it's not based on fact but interpretation. Goal line technology works as it's black and white if the ball's over the line. A foul handball and some angles of an offside are based on the thoughts of the idiots in the control room. Oh, Rob, I'm so with you there. The idiots in the control room. Yes, yes. So if you ask 100 people, you will get 100 slightly different opinions. If you look at the Norwich goal where Tammy was fouled in the build-up to one of their goals, they gave an explanation about zones of play. What the fuck does that mean? And who gives, <laughs> who gives the lunatics in the control room the definition of zones of play when they've never played the game themselves? It's just more and more grey in our colourful game. Cricket works as the majority of decisions are fact-based. Snicko, computer program to give the flight of the ball, hotspot, all make it fact, all help to make it fact-based. The only contentious ones are the catches, hence India refused to allow that in their games. American football works to a degree, except the catch and interference rules as they're based on opinion. Tennis works as the computer tells the umpire exactly where the ball has landed. Again, fact-based. Football is a fast-flowing game that has a lot of decisions that are based on the referee's opinion and not fact. Players are brought up to cheat. For example, claiming a throw that's not theirs, diving, faking injury to waste time, which makes the referee's job that much harder than it should be. Today, they, the players are getting better and better at it and have to take some responsibility in the preconceived standard of refereeing going down. In my day, David Ellery was a teacher by day and a wanker on a Saturday. Yes, I absolutely agree. So I think the referees have always been as bad. Gone are the days where players are honest, and even in the case of Big Doug Rugby, honestly kicking people. 
What I think will happen is after this experiment, VAR will be toned back and only deal with the black and white of our great game. But I actually think that's happening a bit at the moment. That happened last week, actually. They hardly interfered at all. They'd obviously made that decision. And, and Chidge, there was no VAR in the Bulgaria game at all. I don't know why that was, but they just said, there's no VAR, they said. Yeah, weird. No idea why. We will all go back to moaning about the referee, but with a small thought that they don't do that bad a job when the alternative is so awful. Anyway, thanks a lot. I'm loving this season. We have our Chelsea back and seeing players that have been at the club since their youth makes me happy. I don't care if we don't win. As we all know, it's a long journey we've all been waiting for. Love your work. And we'll see you when I'm coming out in September 2021. Hey, excellent. Up the chest. Excellent. Up the chest. We do like a bit of Bobby D. Uh, one of my favourite... Pro- oh, uh, Robert's been... Uh, listening to this fan cast since we started and when i went over to australia in 2011 um i had the absolute delight of uh, seeing him and liam and a few others too as i recall uh, and had a great time he's such a lovely bloke and uh, it's a real joy whenever he comes over so i'm looking forward to that bobby d i uh, hope you're doing all right down under give it to those bloody aussies don't let them get too cocky about winning the ashes mate i know you'll do me proud uh, right, we've got one more, which was a late one, and it was actually supposed to be a question in our Q&A part, JK, but it's, it's, it's quite long, and it kind of qualifies as an email, if you see what I mean, and it's from Alex Davidson, and he says, Hello, Chidge and JK. This is a burning question about the soul of CFC. Get down. And no, not that kind of soul. Sorry. So that was last week, wasn't it? Yeah. I uh, got excited then. Uh, so there we go. Anyway, as a fan since the late 60s, I cannot remember a manager who has started with such a feel-good factor among the supporters as Lamps has. So suppose Chelsea don't finish in the top four and a few of the academy graduates don't pull up trees right away. Would Roman really waste all that good? Uh, sorry, would Roman really waste all that goodwill by replacing Lamps? He has to know that the rank-and-file fans are 200% behind Frank and his approach, doesn't he? I want Frank to succeed not only so Chelsea can gather more silverware, but equally because on every characteristic you care to examine, our Frank has conducted himself exactly as we would have wanted him to as he represented us on and off the pitch. When he won, he did so graciously. If he was under par, there were no excuses, no finger-pointing at teammates, no angry tweets. If none of that counts, and Frank isn't given at least two full seasons to show progress, and that his methods work... What does that say about the club we have loved since childhood and should we stay in love? Or am I just a naive romantic? Cheers, Alex from Boston, Massachusetts, USA. What a brilliant question. I'm going to opine on this uh, first, actually, JK, but um, it's a great question. Um, I've been pondering this. I I don't know if I've committed this to print. I might have done. Uh, I can never remember what I wrote. It's a bit like these shows. I forget them the minute I've stopped doing them. But... uh, um, I, I think it's fascinating what Roman Abramovich has done because this is a Roman choice, beyond no illusion. He, he runs the club. It's his club. Um, it's the first managerial appointment he's made where you could argue, I think, quite strongly, that the manager is more popular than even Roman is. You know, Frank Lampard is our greatest ever player, period. He's our highest goal scorer, fact. He's a bloody nice bloke, you know, um... We love Frank. It's as simple as that. And I think I think Alex has got a point. If if Roman, because, I mean, I know that most people will, will shy away from accusing or blaming Roman and go, oh, it's the board, it's Marina, it's Bruce Buck. They don't do anything. They don't fart unless Roman wants them to. 
So if if and when Frank, because I mean, here's the reality, Alex. You know, all managerial uh, uh, careers end in failure. You know, there will, you know, Frank will will get the tin tack at some stage. You know, you you can put your money on it happening. The question is, when it happens, um, how will the fans react? And I I do wonder. Um, I think it, you know, it, it's really. It, it, I mean, I don't know is the honest answer, but I think it will be interesting to see if they turn against Roman. I have a suspicion, depending on the circumstances, it has to be said. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, you you could argue that if we're absolutely dog shit and and Frank ends up being an absolutely hopeless, a hopeless waste of space as a manager, if he's absolutely incompetent. Then I suspect there'll be a few tears shed, and it'll be well, you know, what are you going to do? He's absolutely hopeless. Love him to pieces, but he's not a good manager. He's got to go. You might get a bit of that, but if there's any inkling that he's been fired unfairly, undeservingly, he hasn't been given enough opportunity or been backed properly, I, I think, I think the the the, the match going fan base certainly could possibly turn on Roman, which is unthinkable. I mean, you just wouldn't countenance that at all. Just an opinion, but there you go. What do you think, JK? Um, I'm trying to think of a situation where um, I think he's a very canny politician and I think he would judge it very correctly. What, Roman? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's why he appointed him. Yeah. Well, there, there, I was reading a, a theory on the <laughs> Matt theory on Twitter the other day that, in fact, it was just a, a PR exercise Um uh, to do it because it would placate the fans after last oh. year. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. And I did say this in the article that I wrote for Football London, which I need to push out a bit more because I've been a bit busy this weekend. But uh, but it's a double kind of thing, had... isn't it? It's PR after last year. It's making it back to Chelsea. But also, it's... But he's impo- done it before, JK. He's done it before. I mean, he, he replaced Benitez, who we all hated, with... Jose Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. You know, Roman, is, Roman. I compared Roman. In fact, I, you know, waffle on and I'll, I'll dig out the passage that I wrote because I was quite pleased with this one, even if I do say it myself. Uh, here we go. Found the article. Carry on talking. Carry on. Carry on with the ranks. I have a bit of a yawn. Um, it's been a long day. Um, uh, I've hurt my leg playing tennis. And not that anyone oh, wants to know. I know. It'll be, JK. All, it'll be all right tomorrow. Um, uh, yeah, this guy was saying how... Uh, um, the whole thing was a PR job and that he would sack him uh, as soon as he started, it all started running down. But uh, uh, if any, if there were any problems, but I think it would have to go very tits up for, for him to be sacked this year. Um, and of course it could then happen that it happens like Garcia. If they then start off the following year um, after he's made some purchases and they don't do well, then uh, he could go after four games. I mean, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen in the, the Premier League. Um, uh, we don't know what's going to happen this season. They may all come together um, like they did under Conte, um, where, you know, he just changed it. He may get it right. He may, we, you know, we, we're making assessments once again before he's got the, the best team together. Um, let's, let's, uh, it'll be, I think he'll be judged by positions. I do fear that if he has a big run of injuries and a bad run of luck, and it doesn't really matter um who he is, if they're in the bottom three, he'll be given the bullet. Yeah. See, whereas, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously I would would be very upset and I would hate it, but, you know, I've been there before, you know. It's not the end of the world if you get relegated. You know, if you love your club, you still go. It carries on. In fact, there's a whole different world of fun to have if you get relegated and you play in, in League One. What, what the, the biggest worry always 
uh, no matter who you are, is the ultimate ramifications of that, which are, is your, I mean, look at Bolton and Berry, look at Leeds to a certain extent, look yeah, at Sunderland, yeah, yeah. Portsmouth. You know, the biggest fear that we, we should always have is that if a, if a lack of success or abject failure puts the the financial future of the club in jeopardy, because as much as I can sit here and say, well, you know, I'll go to some grounds that I haven't been to for a while and it'll all be a giggle and we can have a bit of a jolly, it won't be much fun if we don't have a club to go and do that with. And that's the reality these days. Now, I have found, it's not from my, my Football London article, it's from my new CFC UK one, Jonathan, but I wrote this. This was on Friday. Roman Abramovich may be many things, but when it comes to Chelsea, he is a shrewd operator. He reminds me, ironically, of a Roman emperor who, sensing he may lose the Colosseum crowd, chooses to spare the life of a popular gladiator rather than condemning him to a grisly death with the wave of his thumb. Or, alternatively, condemning the crowd villain. After the toxic Europa League winning season, under the hugely unpopular Rafa Benitez, Abramovich appeased the supporters in the Coliseum of Stamford Bridge by replacing him with a manager they deified, Jose Mourinho. History so often repeats itself, and after a toxic Europa League winning season under the hugely unpopular Maurizio Sarri, Abramovich has appeased the supporters by replacing him with a player they, with a player they deified, Frank Lampard. So there you go. So I think that kind of is making pretty much the same point, really. But it'll, you're right. I mean, who knows? We don't know. We just cannot tell, can we? But it's uh, hopefully it, we, we, we won't get to that for, for a considerable time, I the, think. That's what we would both say. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Indeed it is. Right. OK, people. That, I'm afraid, is about all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you for all the emails. Thank you for all the questions. Uh, I like the Q&A format. I'd like to do this again when time permits. There are a few more international breaks, actually. So rather than doing this a bit kind of lastminute.com, I'll have a think about that because there are at least two more coming up. So uh, we will put me and JK, uh, the brains trust of the otherwise no-brain outfit known as the Chelsea Fancast, will do our best and have a think about that. But... Uh, Talking of the emails in particular, we love getting them from you, as you know. We always do our best to read them out. So if you want to email us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com and try to get it to us by Monday morning at the absolute latest. Uh, and also, while I'm at it, Dean Mears uh, has come up with a great idea that the emails that we get are so good that we should publish them on the website. I'm a big fan of this idea, uh, but I do think you need to let us know if you can. So what I'm saying is if you don't uh, say, uh, no, I don't want this published on the website, then we will at some stage publish them. So you need to tell us you don't want it published on the website, otherwise we'll just go and do it. That makes sense to me. I hope it does to you. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday when Real Football will be back at the usual time. Um, I'll be joined by Jonathan, of course, as ever, and the lovely Reverend Tony Glover, freshly back from his sojourn in the south of France, and we will be looking back at the match against the Wolves on Saturday. Can't wait. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 and 8 p.m. this Friday uh, when uh, Jonathan and myself will be on the show, obviously. We'll also be joined by Dean Mears, the aforementioned Dean Mears, uh, which will be great fun. And we've got a new presenter, uh, temporary, because Matt's away on holiday, JK, so don't panic. But the lovely Charlie Hawkins, who is my producer on the Sunday afternoon show I do for Love Sport will be uh, presenting the show so we all have to be on our best behaviour for Charlie because he's a lovely lad uh, so there we go uh, we'll be discussing all things Chelsea previewing the Wolves match obviously uh, but do phone in phone in and join us on the show debate with us live the number to call or in fact the number to WhatsApp as well you can send us a WhatsApp message 
is 0208 70 20 558. And of course, you can listen to Love Sport on your DAB digital channels or on lovesportradio.com or Radio Player or TuneIn, things like that. So you can listen to it on Alexa, I suspect. Anyway, it's also available as a podcast, uh, as are all our shows on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as lesser known but just as lovely podcast distributors. Uh, and you can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and of course check out the website ChelseaFanCast.com. Many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for their regular content going up during the week. Uh, and on Twitter, they are at Nick Stroudley, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFC GWLB, that's Alex. And follow all the Chelsea Fancast regulars at Goalie59, at Gate17Marco, at DanSilv73, at Joe Tweedy, at CFC GWLB, at GrocerJackUK, at Liam underscore Toomey, and at OJ Harbord. Blimey, what a show. It's, I mean, ha, look, how on earth have we done this, JK? It's just been you and me, and it's still two hours, 16 minutes. What are we like? <laughs> what are we like? We can't stop it. We love a yatter, don't we? We love it. We love it. Mate, it's been... Uh, what an absolute pleasure just doing the show with you tonight. I've really, really enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed your little kind of trip down memory lane in the mid-60s around the year of my birth. How delightful. I really enjoyed that. I hope we get to do it again soon. Thank you. I must find the, uh, the video my dad took of me. And, uh, mm, no, that'd be great fun. Of me just wander in this little, uh, in my little tracksuit and my Chelsea bobble hat. And my rattle. Oh, <laughs> in your rattle. Lovely stuff. Great stuff. Mate, have a great week. I will see you on Friday. Thanks as ever for uh, being a trooper tonight. As I said, I was a bit kind of, well, you know, can we pull this off? You know, just me and you, but I think yes, we did so. We can. Yeah, we didn't get any Thanks complaints. Thanks to everybody on Mixler as well. Yeah, yeah, totally, actually. It was, the interesting thing is, I don't know why, but with the, when there's just you and me on the show, I have more time to fanny around with other things. So I feel like I've interacted a bit more with the... Uh, the Mixler people, they'll probably uh, deny that and possibly be right, but I, I, I feel that I have, so that's good. Anyway, Jonathan, have a great week. Uh, I will see you on Friday. Looking forward to that, and then we'll be back here on Monday as well. So have a good week. Uh, people in Mixler, you are brilliant. We love you totally. It's been great fun doing the show tonight with you lot in tow as well. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.